Welcome to School of Movies. <laughs> Terminator Salvation and Terminator Genesis. I knew it was coming. Well, let's destroy any tension by starting off by saying that it is life-threateningly dull. But I don't know if we can win this war. We are outnumbered by machines. And we have all lost so very much. Oh, look, he's doing his Batman voice. This is not the future my mother warned me about. Who are you? John Connor! Something has changed. You and me, we've been at war since before either of us even existed. You tried killing my mother. You killed my father. No, I am your father. If we stay the course, we are dead. We are all dead. You will not kill me. Win or lose, this war ends. It didn't. McGee is like Michael Bay's untalented cousin. One of the most important sci-fi action movies ever. Blah, 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 shitty sequel. Look, if they're not going to try, why should we? Here's the problem with Terminator Salvation. Oh, by the way, hello, Sharon. Hello. Here's the problem with Terminator Salvation. It's written by a pair of morons. John Brancato and Michael Ferris. The same two guys who wrote Terminator 3. And don't understand the first two films. Or time travel. Or story structure. Or people. It's long and boring and full of disgusting robots that look and sound exactly like the lifeless personality-free monstrosities that Michael Bay has convinced the world Transformers are. They make the same horrible, discordant, foghorn noises every time they're on screen, and it makes every action sequence feel the same. don't care about the characters so the action is meaningless and there's so much of it that it makes the whole film overall just as meaningless as the action itself and just a screaming mess of metal garbage ah, are you okay what are you okay Stop! Stop! garbage it's a garbage island christian bale is utterly dislikable as john connor see nick Stahl was a morose idiot but Bale is a roaring, growling, traumatized wreck without a glimmer of humanity. Command wants us to fight like machines. They want us to make cold, calculated decisions. But we are not machines. And if we behave like them, then what is the point in winning? He's Optimus Prime in Transformers 3 and 4 and most of 2. He's just an angry soldier for white teenage males to paste themselves onto. The Call of Duty influence is smashed onto this film, delivering at its most head-slappingly clear moment an on-rails action sequence taking us up in the air in a helicopter, over an explosion, back down into a crash, and then Connor crawls away from a Terminator and into an enforced turret section. The first stage ends, and we go on to the next. He's obsessed with saving Reese, ostensibly because 
Reese is the key to saving the future, but increasingly because it seems like he just wants to exist. And if he doesn't, who's going to save the fucking day? Certainly not the High Council of Gruff Men who don't take kindly to this loose cannon bucking authority. Everyone else fawns over him, like he's Neo in the Matrix sequels, like he can literally fly. There's no point in between these two extremes, except for Marcus, who doesn't give a shit. So this gives us an entirely redundant range of perspectives on Connor's importance. Oh yeah, and he has this walking womb of a pregnant wife. Dallas Bryce Howard now hardly matters, though. She's barely in it. He's important, John, because his mum said he was important. Yet... At the end, he invokes Terminator 2. There is no fate but what we make for ourselves. And he mumbles that the future is not set. Okay then, chaps. What happened to those constants and variables that you laid down in Terminator 3? Why save Reese at all? Why does it have to be John who saves humanity? Answer because that's what studios know that audiences know. And they don't want to challenge that as it may possibly affect their box office success. Sam Worthington's Marcus Wright isn't much better. A simple, uniformed avatar. To enable the audience to stumble through this tedious, desaturated, first-person shooter wasteland, growling at everybody we meet and having them growl back. There's a brief stop with Moon Bloodgood's Blair Williams in which some tenderness might occur. But that's immediately sidelined for an attack by drooling hillbilly rapists and the customary beating of said savage manimals by our Johnny Template number two, rescuing the defenceless girl who is oh so grateful. But here's the thing that the whole story hangs upon and that the writers can't manage to convey with intelligence. It's 2018, 14 years after Judgment Day, 11 years before Reese is supposed to be sent back. Skynet is putting out lumbering T-600 Terminators. Remember the kind with rubber skin that were unconvincing for infiltration? Their T-800, the CGI Arnie that turns up at the end, is a prototype. In the original timeline, those things, the Arnies, would be new in 11 years. So God knows what Skynet becoming active seven years later than originally conceived would do to the tech, but I'd hazard a guess that it equates to a lot more Bayformers. But let's just say for the sake of argument that it was somehow possible for Skynet to feed the preserved organs and brain of a death row convict from 15 years ago into a new type of endoskeleton which seems more advanced than both T-600 and the classic Arnie T-800, less armoured and with a glowing orange weak spot in its chest that can be hit for massive damage, but absolutely the most convincing infiltration unit ever, to the point where he's convinced of his own humanity, to the point where he changes allegiances. So let's pretend for a moment that this makes sense on a technological progression timeline. Let's lie to ourselves and say that this works. Helena Bonham Computer states that Marcus (laughs) has achieved what Skynet has been trying for years, to kill John Connor. That's future Skynet, not current Skynet. How the hell does 2018 Skynet know about Kyle Reese? He's just a street urchin at this point. I can understand them targeting John Connor today. If they analyse the human resistance hierarchy, John Connor does figure into a sphere of influence, but they would not know 
in 2018, 11 years before the invention of their time machine, when Connor and his forces broke through their defences and beat Skynet and smashed their defence grid, that he was the so-called saviour of mankind. Because he's not yet. Or that Kyle was his father. They're both just soldiers right now, and Skynet is, at its core, a simple machine defending itself. It can't see the future! And it doesn't have this information. It doesn't think fourth dimensionally. And if it does, we need to see evidence of this. We need a conversation elaborating upon the idea that because of all the time travel, Skynet has an innate awareness of the constants of the future, no matter the variables of the present. It would make sense if Marcus was sent back from an alternative 2029 or later, both in terms of what Skynet should know then and in the complexity of his tech. Those extra years of allowing humans to develop the internet before Skynet was properly created and other tech can be believed to push forward the development times there and they would know of Connor's significance, even if not Kyle's. But in screen terms, when you're aiming at an audience you don't think are very bright, Marcus can't converse with a Skynet from the future embodied by Helena Bonham Carter if he's in the past. At least not in a simple way of wandering into the most secure building on the planet, which, by the way, they managed to do in Terminator 3. We didn't mention that in the last podcast. They just wander into mission control. You know, John and Kate and the Terminator. And so does the Terminator. I get that the Terminatrix could do that. But they just wander in like it's a fucking Arby's. So Marcus, he can't converse with Helena Bonham Carter in the past. At least not in a simple way of wandering into the most secure building on the planet and firing up a very handy terminal. It's like human-sized, human-scaled, very pristine room, like just there so someone can wander in and do exactly that. So rather than delivering a complex explanation, they fudged it and hoped the audience were as unquestioning as they as writers were themselves. So for me, the central premise of this story doesn't work at all, and everything else hung around it is angry, miserable, boring gibberish. It's less disrespectful to the source material and doesn't try and fail to be funny like Terminator 3. And at least it's changing the formula ever so slightly. But being ever so slightly better than one of my most hated films of all time is no badge of quality. I mean, Sharon, what did you think? Uh, uh, I don't think it's as bad as three, it certainly didn't make me as irate as three. Um, possibly because there is that distance between uh, the formula, like mm-hmm. you said. Three is slavishly trying to follow a pattern that's been set down and messing it up royally. And there is something different from the Terminator pattern in this, but not different from everything else. And I think that was what frustrated me with this one, was that they tried to take something which was very, very meaningful for me personally and make it just the same as everything else. I found four actors, I think, in this who would have made a better John Connor than Christian Bale. Mm. 
Yeah, Anton Yelchin does a actually really quite... I mean, Anton Yelchin is the K, uh, Claire Danes of this film in that he sort of saves it a little bit. He's the only good thing. Like, he's yeah, doing he's, a Michael Bean impression. And it would, also, like his, his perspective on life would make for a more convincing John Connor. Absolutely. Well, in, in fact, maybe that's what I mean then. Not necessarily that these actors would have been better as that John Connor... But if that character, as they framed him in this story, had been John Connor, that would have been more believable for me um, and and more understandable than this mid-range soldier who's trying to get the uh, higher-uppers to believe in his prophecies while simultaneously inspiring the rest of the, inverted commas, resistance. Because... Here's another thing that really did wind me up about this one. And he says this a couple of times, the idea that they are on the brink, the idea that they are the resistance, that they are all that's left to stand against the machines. Dude, you are not on the brink. You've got fucking helicopters. You've got sky bombers that zoom in from nowhere A-10 to take tank out. Busters. Where are they storing these things? Where are the runways? Where, Where are they, they getting the by fuel for these things? I mean, it, the, the ragtag collective that Kyle described in the first film, that's what Anton Yelchin is part of. Hiding in carcasses of bombed out petrol stations yes, and gorilla warfare. Uh, it's not yeah, just, yeah exactly with his incredibly high-end sony vio technology that i'm sorry skynet would have co-opted <laughs> you you wouldn't have been able to have technology of that level because skynet would have got into it here's the thing Battlestar Galactica, you know how the only reason the Galactica is safe is because it's not on the network? Yeah. Da-da. Da, yeah. Um, so... That's the thing, yeah, all of their tech should be old, like 80s old, because yeah. it would have to be not... I mean, that would have been a really good stylistic choice for the film. It would have made them, like, they would have to fight with old stuff and, and sort of it would invoke the 80s. Absolutely. Oh, my God, I've just come up with way better design aesthetics off the top of my head! Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so Anton Yelchin's character uh, uh, and the way he played Kyle Reese, that would have been a better John Connor. Marcus Worthington, I think the, the original idea was for, uh, no, Marcus Worthington, Marcus Wright. Marcus Worthington. <laughs> I'm conflating the two. John here. Bale. Right. Sam, <laughs> Sam Worthington originally was intended to play John Connor um, and they wanted Christian Bale to play... Uh, the Terminator character, but apparently Bale went, no, 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 no. I've got to be John Connor. I've got to be the saviour of mankind, otherwise it doesn't work. I've got to be the blank slate that the young boys can project themselves onto. The clean slate. And because he was Christian Bale, who I believe either the producer or the director described as the most credible action star of... (laughs) Uh, So he basically does the Batman voice the whole way through. Um, And... Yeah, had they gone with that that way round, with Christian Bale playing the Terminator character and uh, Sam Worthington playing John Connor, mm-hmm. that probably would have worked a bit better for me. I don't think that would have defeated the rest of it. But I believe Christian the little, the little kid who doesn't talk Clement's would have been a more interesting focal character, frankly. Bale. by the unimaginative by the way oh we got to get a kid in there let's make her mute so we don't have to actually have any child well, actors speak that's another thing though the dynamic of the the protector and the protected that ran through the first two and the way there are moments where that flips around 
they have a little kid chasing round after them for a sizable portion of the movie. Nobody seems particularly bothered about whether or not she gets hurt. She's just there. There's no particular sense of we must protect this child because everybody's so focused on uh, defending Kyle Reese or believing stroke, not believing John Connor, depending on which side of the line you stand on. Another thing, um, and we, we said before about how Terminator 3 isn't even consistent with its own um, timeline. Yep. This isn't consistent with its own setup because you have earlier on in the film band-aids are precious things that they have to hoard because they have so few of them antibiotics stated explicitly by moon bloodgood are hard to come by at the end they managed to get the equipment to do a friggin heart transplant on john connor <laughs> not as bad as t3 but that's not saying much that's pretty much yeah you boil down my review to that Mm. oh god oh yeah there's a point where they they meet some like a ragtag bunch of rebels like like just like people who live in the wilderness and they say oh the dark season is coming and it's like you've forgotten the word winter and it's like this old woman turns up it's like oh it's gone all mad max three and then it's like oh that, that could be interesting no let's just round them up for prison camp there is there will be no characterization no characterization of the world either. Yeah. This does this does it's not so look featureless. This so does not boring. look like a world that's been nuked. It looks like the back end of California. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's deserty. They have dumped cars randomly around the place. That's how you know it's post-apocalyptic, folks. But here's a question for you: that truck, or well, it's like a, a four-wheel drive or something that they find that they take, right? Whatever nuclear bombs have fallen in that area have apparently been able to burn off the car doors, yet preserve not only the cassette player, <laughs> but the cassette that's in it, and the tyres. Even if it had just been sat there for 14 years without nuclear bombs being part of the equation, the tyres would have perished. Yes. But no, they're perfect. Also, at the point when uh, John Connor like uh, puts in some Guns N' Roses on the radio, because he just loves him some guns and roses still um and then like trips up the motorbike thing it's like a, it's a it's a it's a motorbike terminator he then like rewires it and you're like all oh, right that's kind of like a uh hot wiring a bike and gets on it and drives the, it, it, it's not designed for a human to ride it it's it wouldn't be designed like that it it's, wouldn't have it a seat. Like, it wouldn't have pedals oh i mean it would have made more sense if he just had a motorbike. Yes. <laughs> yes, that would have made more sense. Yeah, because you'd imagine like, at some point throughout his military career he'd have found one and kept it. Mm, possibly no, so. They, they, they have him chip that thing up just for, for no apparent reason. He could have hidden it in the same place as they hide the bombers. Yeah. Uh, okay, right, so when Blair Williams is like um, hanging from her parachute, she starts to cut it off and then falls and he grabs her and it's like... You didn't think that one through, did you? Like, what was your what was your plan here? And I'll I'll, I'll cut through this, and then I'll let go of the knife in a nanosecond, and he'll grab me by the hand. Mm. However, What's your plan to fall twenty feet and break both ankles? Here's the thing, though. This is She's a, a Darwin Award. This is this is a woman, and and in fact, no, I'm I'm not even going to credit it with that. The 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 character is a cipher. She is there solely to give Marcus something to ogle. <laughs> 
that's it, because this apparently tough, intelligent pilot um, goes out from a relatively sheltered, protected spot into the rain to take her clothes off to wash her wounds in what I can only assume is irradiated water. (laughs) But she gets her tits out, gets her tits out, gets her tits out for the lads. Now, I'm going to play you a very special little bit from uh, Comic-Con where uh, um, I I think, yeah, yeah, Moonblood Good, fine actress, was was slightly put on the spot by McGee, the director. And the reason why I wanted Moon to stand up is a big lightning rod. Where are my friends from Warner Brothers? Do you want to see Moon's boobs in the picture? Because we shot them. It's turning out to be something that we're not sure if it's going to go in the movie. And I want to take the temperature of this room. All right. Who does not? Yeah, that's deeply unprofessional to a baying audience of morons. Yeah, then there was that bit when uh, uh, Michael Ironside, bless him for turning up in this, uh, in Terminator 3, it transpired that Skynet was everywhere. You know, it got into computers, it was in the internet, it was everywhere. There was no uh, central place for it to be destroyed. And then... (laughs) Was it in the president's internet? It was in the president's internet. And then Michael Ironside says, and now to bomb Skynet. Oh, so it isn't everywhere. It is, in fact, in one place then. Brilliant. Like any machine, it has a modem, and we could turn it off and on again. (laughs) Commence bombing on Skynet. So what you mean is commence bombing on everywhere. Yeah. They bombed it. Where? Everywhere. Everywhere. (laughs) Um, The ending. The original ending, it was rumoured that basically... um, they were going to like put John Connor's face onto Marcus. Would and have been so, better. So the idea is that Marcus was going to be a machine who claimed to be John Connor. And um, I caught wind of that. Oh, that's really good. That actually wasn't the actual ending. The actual uh, original ending was going to be they do exactly that. And then everyone comes into the room, and, like including Dallas Bryce Howard's Kate. Kate? Is her name Kate? It doesn't matter. Yes. She's a walking womb. She was actually pregnant. I think she was actually pregnant at the time of filming. Um, so, you know, at least well, let's all thank Dallas for showing up. And there's that incredibly important kid that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the dislikable T-800 in the uh, first uh, in Terminator 3, mentioned. Um, uh, so everyone goes, oh, it's John Connor, and this is totally convincing. They, they took the face off. Because apparently they had the, uh, the technology for that in this, like, you know, premise. And then uh, he sort of stands up and goes, ah and shoots everyone in the head. Oh, God. Kyle, uh, Kate, everyone else, like Common, who's uh, John Connor's friend, who never really talked much, but yeah, he's there. And like everyone shoots, and he goes, applesauce, bitch, and Skynet wins. The end. And there, Christian Bale heard that one, like, yes, let's do that. I totally want to fucking do that. Because he's insane. And uh, he really wanted to get it done, and uh, uh, McGee said no because, you know, sequels and shit, because... You can't do it if you kill everything off. See, I think you probably can. Either you rewrite it or you abandon the Connors and you accept that the future war is going to happen whether the Connors are there or not. You know? Mm-hmm. Doesn't you know? Ultimately, you don't have to lean on John and Sarah and Kyle for every single film. Next week, Terminator Genesis, where they lean on John and Sarah and Kyle. 
Or not, because I'm not seeing it anymore. Oh, there was that one bit where Common knocks out Marcus Wright, who is a Terminator, by bashing him in the face with the butt of a rifle. I mean, would that work? I mean, even if he has a human brain in there, which doesn't make any sense, because, I mean, where's all the Terminator processing going? He's got a metal face! It's like he's wearing a crash helmet inside his head. I mean, at the very least, Common should have whacked him in the face and then just, like, carried on whacking him six or seven more times because he just wasn't going out. See, I kind of like the idea that John is like a badge, like a like a, a legend and uh, something that, you know, uh, yeah, everyone's like, I'll die for John Connor. But the John Connor they're talking about doesn't actually have to be the John Connor that Sarah gave birth to. He simply, you know, carries the torch and then that could have been passed on to Marcus. That would have been a brave move. Um, but they didn't even think about that as a possibility. Yeah. John as a Terminator. Mm. And we'll see how <clears throat> Genesis pans out, shall we? Let's. Speaking of finding out major plot twists that actually would have served the story had they not been revealed in the promotion of the film, we do briefly need to discuss Marcus Wright in that his character is supposed to be this mysterious figure who could be from the future, could be from the past, we don't know. Um, ostensibly, he is uh, the remains of a death row inmate who died just before Skynet got domination of the world. And then they kept bits of his body on ice because he'd submitted himself to you know, medical experiments. In 2018, Skynet suddenly hatches a plan, fishes the bits out of storage, puts them into a new armoured endoskeleton, wraps it in a skin which is a thousand times more convincing than either the ones with rubber skin or indeed Schwarzenegger himself. They decided they needed to infiltrate the humans and take out John Connor, so they send him in as a sleeper agent, unaware that he is, in fact, a Terminator sent to do this. That's an interesting concept, except, of course, as I said earlier, that the tech doesn't match up with the development of Skynet's tech. But because you find this out in the trailer, rather than being this mysterious figure, the first hour of the movie, you're just sat there going, when's he going to find out? This is taking ages. You know more than he does. That shouldn't be the case. And if it is the case, it needs to be part of the movie. They need to sow the seeds so that you're aware of what he's unaware of. And that needs to actually be woven into the tension of the section. But it's never actually made clear earlier in the movie. So you are supposed to find out at that time halfway through. Something you already know. That's the only thing the film would have going for it. The mystery of who Marcus Wright is. Instead, you're waiting forever for these bumbling simpletons to actually catch up with what everyone knows. And then, so because that takes so long, you think there's going to be some huge payoff. But all the payoff is really is that he exercises free will. But since there's so many human organs and bits in there already, you made him so human, that doesn't really seem like that much of an achievement. You know, effectively, he's more of an armoured human. Basically, you can make the story so much better if you just had him sent from 2031 or something after John singularly failed to take out Skynet in 2029 and have him be this brand new prototype post-TX Terminator that was sent back with prior knowledge of how important John was to find him and kill him without his prior knowledge and for him to be actually not human at all but believe he's human. And then exercise free will. That is a story. 
Instead, we get a muddled mess. Oh, and I think the one time that my pulse went, oh, okay, something, was when the CGI Terminator Arnie turns up. Uh, That's kind of fun for a moment. It it sort of gets Arnie in, but it does also call into question, you know, can these films be done without Arnie? Well, they can. You just do it in CG. Which means that they can't be done without Arnie because he's still there. So, again, this is kind of like the Alien films cannot be done without Ripley. We need to move beyond Schwarzenegger. We need to move beyond Sarah and John Connor. I say we need to. We're not, we're not gonna. We're not going to. They're stuck in a loop. Uh, this is McGee on John's struggles to become the leader. You survive the nuclear holocaust and you crawl out of the hole after three to five years and say, well, I know what's going on. I'm the one. Some SAS guy isn't going to say, where do I go, boss? He'd say, shut the fuck up and get in line. Oh, there was that bit where Christian Bale gives one of his many, many impassioned, angry speeches. They're all the same. Uh, And he went nuts, fucking nuts, in real life with the director of photography. Uh, To give this context, this was uh, Shane Hurlbut, the DP, who had walked into Bale's eyeline when he was doing his most... He was preparing for his most dramatic scene. He was supposed to be giving that impassioned speech about, you know, what is the point? And um, Hurlbut wandered into shot. Now, he did apologise for this later, uh, unreservedly, and said he was well out of order. Kick your fucking ass! I want you off the fucking set, you prick! No, don't just be sorry. Think for one fucking second. The, the fuck are you doing? Are you professional or not? Yes, I am. Do I fucking walk around and rip that? No, shut the fuck up, Bruce. Do I want? No! No! Don't shut me up. Am I going to walk around and rip your fucking lights down in the middle of a scene? Then why the fuck are you walking right through? Ah, oh, da-da-da-da, like this in the background. What the fuck is it with you? What don't you fucking understand? You got any fucking idea about, hey, it's fucking distracting having somebody walking up behind Bryce in the middle of the fucking scene. Give me a fucking answer. What don't you get about it? I was looking at the light. Oh, good for you. And how was it? I hope it was fucking good because it's useless now, isn't it? Fuck's sake, man, you're amateur. McGee, you got fucking something to say to this prick? I didn't see it happen. Well, somebody should be fucking watching and keeping an eye on him. Fair enough. This is the second time that he doesn't give a fuck about what is going on in front of the camera. All right? I'm trying to fucking do a scene here and I'm going, why the fuck is Shane walking in there? What is he doing there? Do you understand my mind is not in the scene if you're doing that? Do you hear that, folks? McGee, the director, the man who's supposed to be basically... See see there? Sharon just walked in the front door, kind of putting me off. But you know what I'm not doing? Screaming and swearing at her. How's it going, honey? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
Um, well, yeah, McGee, the director, the guy who's supposed to be corralling this whole thing, making sure his actors are happy, comfortable, knowing what they're doing, if they're doing intense stuff to make sure that it's quiet on set. McGee, you got fucking something to say to this prick? I didn't see it happen. I didn't see it happen. Like some little kid in a playground. This man should not be directing. And if, if, his, if his, the end result of his products were fantastic, then you know what? Like James Cameron, who's rather cruel, it would be worth it. But it ain't worth it. He's incompetent. Anyway, back to Christian Bale, screaming, swearing, blah, blah, blah. Stay off the fucking set, man. For fuck's sake. Right, let's go again. Let's not take a fucking minute. Let's go again! And let's not have you fucking walking in! It's kind of reminding me of Bill O'Reilly right now. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. And we will leave you with a... Uh, I can't do it. Okay. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll, no. we'll do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! Right. Fucking thing sucks! Yeah. Can I have Tom put this on, please? You're unbelievable, man. You're unfucking believable. Number of times you're strolling and fucking around in the background. I never had a DP behave like this. Ah, uh, you don't fucking understand what it's like working with actors. That's what that is. That's what that is, man. I'm telling you. I'm not asking. I'm telling you. You wouldn't have done that otherwise. I want to fucking kick your fucking ass. You know, shut up for a second, all right? I'm going to go. Do you want me to go fucking trash your lights? Do you want me to fucking trash them? Then why are you trashing my scene? You are trashing my scene. You do it one more fucking time, and I ain't walking on this set if you're still hired. I'm fucking serious. You're a nice guy. You're a nice guy. But I don't fucking cut it when you're bullshitting and fucking around like this on set. Yeah, you might get it. He doesn't fucking it. Get, it. I get it. You might. I get it. He does not get it. And good adjustments, okay? For real. Honestly, I get it. Walk for five seconds. For no, five I don't seconds. need Let's any go. fucking walking. He needs to stop walking. I get that. I ain't the one walking. Let's get Tom and put this back on. Okay. Let's go again. Seriously, man, you and me, we're fucking done professionally. You know what, Christian? I do believe you're right. Fucking ass. Now, if you were wondering, this was the speech that he was trying to do there. This is what that was worth. This is John Connor. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. Listen carefully. If we attack tonight, our humanity is lost. I once knew a woman who told people to fear the future, that the end was coming that all would be lost. Sarah never told John that all would be lost because what's the point of training somebody up to fight to save humanity if all would be lost? Nobody wanted to hear her truths. Society locked her away. That woman was Sarah Connor. My mother. Nobody knows who Sarah Connor is. Nobody knows who John Connor is. This means nothing to anybody he's talking to. Now we know. That what she predicted has all come to pass. Command wants us to fight like machines. They want us to make cold, 
calculated decisions, but we are not machines. And if we behave like them, then what is the point in winning? He's the opposite of John Connor in Terminator 2. He's the opposite of John Connor in the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Command is going to ask you to attack Skynet. I am asking you not to. Because my dad's in there. And he's really important. You know, to me. And I'm really important to the future. Like now. If even one bomb drops on Skynet before sunrise, our future will be lost. How? What will happen if Kyle Reese dies? Honestly, the timeline's already been changed many times. John Connor exists. If John Connor winks out of existence, time has already been changed again. How does he know what will happen? This isn't even the Kyle Reese who was his father. The Kyle Reese who was his father is a different Kyle Reese from a different, now redundant timeline. He existed. Way back in 1984, he existed. It doesn't matter what happens to this Reese here. It really doesn't. But let's say it does. Let's imagine it does. Let's pretend, despite all evidence to the contrary, that it does matter and that it must happen. What if Kyle Reese dies, John winks out of existence, but because they're bombing Skynet, they destroy Skynet. He's trying to scupper maybe the only chance they've got because he's afraid it will change the already changed history which happens to be all about his existence and him being super important. He is, I mean, Michael Ironside's right. He's a serious threat to the resistance. So please, stand down. Give me the time to protect our future that all of us are fighting for. Give me the time to protect me that all of you should be fighting for. I'm the only hope you have. Okay, so Marcus Wright is the only hope that John has of rescuing Kyle Reese, the only hope that John has of John existing and being the only hope that humanity has. Uh, drops Mike, I'm done. Next up, Neil Taylor of Gameburst volunteers himself for salvation termination duty, and we elaborate on some of the themes this movie singularly failed to capitalise on. Oh, Jesus. I Just, this is a by-the-numbers film that just so happens to be called Terminator. Mm. It really is, and it, it's written by... When you say it was by the guys that wrote the third film, I was like, really? Because they should at least have some knowledge of what they're doing, but clearly they haven't bothered since Terminator 3. Oh, that, that made money. Oh, we can do another one then. It feel, I, would, I would have been surprised if, you'd, if, if someone else had told me that. And I'd have gone, are you sure? Because they seem to be written in two different styles. Like the, the, the third one, very like attempts at, at rubbish humour. The fourth one, totally humourless. Yeah, they probably realised they can't do humour. Yeah. At all, so they just that, 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 oh, that didn't work. So, so let's try something different. Hmm. And it's just like, as a premise, why do we need to see this future world? We we know it's fucked, basically. Yeah, 
we're done. The whole point of sending people back is kind of, well, the whole original point was prevent Judgment Day from happening so human, humankind can carry on. But there's no one doing it now in T3. They were like saying, no, that's a constant. God for a, for a certain television series, but hey. Yeah. More well, the, I- the idea you would think would be that once Judgment Day becomes set in stone and can't be changed, um, and it's happened, and you're in the future war, there's not really much point in doing anything. The, the machines have already wiped out as much of humanity as, as they're going to because the ultimate end of, of the beginning of Terminator was that the humans had won. They had got through and they had destroyed Skynet. Mm. So once the war is done, in the sense that the bombs have all been dropped and the two-thirds of humanity is wiped out, there is almost literally no more damage that the machines can do. All you have to do then is is kind of, well, if, if you're here, basically, you know that they're sending people back in time didn't work. Yeah. You know, the more I think about it, the more oddly curious I am about Genesis, just just to see what actually happens in it. I don't want to see it. But don't I want, do it. That's I, what they want you to do. But I want to have seen it. Damn. <laughs> that, that's what the Blu-ray release was for, or the rental, at least. But, oh. I just... This film is just so weird, because it's also really odd casting choices. So you've got Sam Worthington, Mr. Blanding McBland Bland. He is. It is, yeah. And then you've got Christian Bale. Mm-hmm. Shout to me, shout, shout. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to not use a word that's really cliched, so I, I'm desperately trying to come up with a different option. He's so uninteresting now. I'm trying to remember, like, back when Batman Begins came out, he was fascinating for me. Yes, he was, because he, he'd done stuff like The Machinist, American Psycho. Yeah. He seemed, I mean, like he seemed like a, a modern-day De Niro. Now, I don't find De Niro particularly interesting as an actor, but just the idea of him getting that much into the role. I suppose like Daniel Day-Lewis as well, getting that much into the role. But now we've seen what happens when you get that much into the role. <laughs> and also Daniel Day-Lewis has been genuinely offensive to members of the public who had nothing to do with the film whilst deep into character. I remember he, I think I mentioned this before on the podcast, he brought a, a, a stiletto with him on a, a plane and got stopped at the airport and basically pretending to be Bill the Butcher from uh, Gangs of New York, whom he was preparing for the role of, he basically just mouthed off and refused to let go of his stiletto to the poor security guard. It's like, you know what, do you know what, Dan? Be a grown-up, okay? You know that Bill the Butcher wouldn't go to an airport. So how about you drop the act? Or walk to wherever it is you're going. Yeah, Seattle. (laughs) I, I don't know. Just that, that, that's there are upshot. Like there's a time and a place for method acting. Ultimately, I know that that is kind of an oxymoron. Like mm. I'm, it's, it's a catch twenty two situation. But you literally can't live, breathe, eat, drink, and sleep your character if you aren't in the context of your character. And that's why sort of you get the jokes about character actors and mm. people taking the piss because they're the guys that take it to the extremes. Don't get me wrong. Someone like Daniel Day Lewis is very very good. And also, who told him that John Connor had to be so angry and vile? Because that's all he seems to do yeah. these days. Um, <laughs> Is Moses also angry and vile? I, can't, I don't know. Uh, no, no, I, I long ago gave up on Ridley, so. But um, Christine Bell is so uninteresting now. He, he was the guy that did the quirky, interesting films and then some really terrible stuff like Shaft and Reign of Fire. Can you dig Equilibrium. it? Equilibrium. 
<laughs> and then he did Batman Begins, and the trouble is, the it was Nolan that got people into those films, not Batman. Because you know, when we do it in the podcast on The Dark Knight, mm. how many times do we moan about the voice? The voice. It's actually, if you go back and watch Batman Begins, that was when he was good. Um, it's more measured. He holds it back a little. Uh, it's 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 the Dark Knight where he starts doing this and becomes less of a, a man in a suit and more of an inhuman monster, barely caged. And here we just have this angry man that's meant to inspire people. And here's a problem with films. Yeah. It is very, very hard to do inspiring speeches that aren't from history. Mm, mm. Because they're going to feel like something from history because you've got to read some for inspiration. You can't just write a a really inspiring speech off from scratch. It's got to be based on something. There's only one film that I truly love that's got sort of those kind of things in, and that's Patton. But that's because that comes from history. Whereas when you try in, in your in your reality of this film, you, you're trying to create this man who is an inspirational leader. It's a very awkward and fine line to walk without it either being, you know, hey, Mr. Motivational Speaker or try and just cliched and it come off as just trite and cliched of I'm an angry man and we have to stand for this and uh, fight and save the future. Who uh, will? I think part of the issue with that, though, is that if you're going to have somebody who is um, has been described from the very beginning of this franchise as an inspiration, you have to, A, you have to see him inspiring people and hear him inspiring people, but B, he needs to be inspiring them to something. The whole point of what Connor was all about was inspiring people to hold on for them to be holding on they have to be hanging on by a thread to begin with and they're doing okay yeah they are not hanging on by a thread in this film the amount of equipment that they have at their disposal that the sort of the 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 army guys or the high council or the michael ironside who's a high council they felt like uh, the the guys in the matrix you know the uh like uh the the ones that uh, morpheus is always arguing with yes yes Britain to be incompetent, so I can argue with you. And this is how they are in this film. But we're going to have Michael Ironside be uh, Michael Ironside, who I love. Yeah, he's a mean old bastard. He's he's always been a mean old bastard, though, hasn't he? (laughs) He was much more engaging in uh, uh, Starship Troopers, though, because he was actually in the field. In fact, this movie made me want to see Starship Troopers. Now you're making me want to watch Starship Troopers. Why would you not? Why would you fight that? Just go watch. Beerhoven, how I love them. I can't wait for them to remake that. That's going to be great. The tension can go off, but it's like, you know what? There's a film, it's not recent, that has a fairly okay inspirational speech, but that's probably because you're in, I'll be honest, it's probably because you're in the moment and you're carried away with it. Mm-hmm. And you will laugh, but you know what? It's still fun in the moment and in the context of the film. Okay. Independence Day. I yeah. knew you were going to say that. Yeah, do like a bit of Independence Day. It's uh, it, it's it's dated now. The, the landscape of cinema has changed, um, and I don't love it as much as a lot of people do love it. But I don't dislike it as much as I used to. It's a weird <laughs> one because it does. Because if you think about that scene where he, the president's giving that particular speech, it fits and it feels right, and it feels connected to the events that are going on and taking place. Oh, do you want to talk about in, 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 inspirational speeches? Today we will fight, face the monsters that are on our gates. 
Uh, I forgot about that one, but yeah. that, 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 I don't find that one as memorable. It's the, it's the end line, the whole, we will cancel, cancel the, apo- the apocalypse. That's what sticks in your head from that. But, That's going to take some beating for me. But again, in the context of that scene it, in Pacific Rim, it makes sense. It follows the logic uh, and what's going on in the film, mm. and it fits. You pointed out when he's doing uh, the radio speech, and he's going on about his mother. My no mom. one knows who the freaking hell Sarah Connor exactly. is. He's the one who did, has to spread the mythology of her by first getting to that place. And if they did, they probably just know her as this crazy old... Well, I was going to say crazy old woman, but she wasn't. But this crazy woman with gun nut. Yeah. You know, she'd be the equivalent of, you know, the scary militia guys hiding up in the... You know, in, in oh, I can't even think of a state. Sorry, guys. But uh, you know what I mean? They'd be yeah. the crazy gun nut people. Yeah. Um, I mean, basically, the the way it should break down is that John Connor leads people by example and inspires them. Wasn't it? They they were originally in prison camps, weren't they? Yeah. This was the film to do that, by the way. This was the film to do that. You have John Connor starting as just a, a regular grunt soldier. Things go wrong. And then he, along with a load of other people, get captured. And then you see, you basically feel what it's like to go through the process of being, you know, shoved around by the machines and and prodded and poked and, like, you work out that you're just going to be uh, harvested as John. And then you see him him step up at action. Because this was the time when he could be inspiring and not, yeah. not basically going, like, big military operation, but for our very survival, to break out of there and to somehow, with, with scraps, with nothing, to be able to get out of a prison camp and actually get back to the human resistance. When he comes back with everyone in tow, guess what? He's Steve Rogers in the first Avenger. Thank you. That's a, I was just thinking out the top of my head and then I realised at the very end, oh, you know, I've actually seen that one fairly recently. And then suddenly, you make John your Captain America, but then you still have him when he's, he's in reflection. Like, I, I, you know, I've been raised for this my entire life. I, I'm, I'm being inspirational, but I, I don't know if this is really coming from me. Is this- That's it. You need those elements of self-doubt to make yeah. that character work. And you make That would be an interesting s- character. A more softly spoken character, a more uh, sort of like a thoughtful character, someone who's like... But I'm thinking, like, you're just trying to see things from the machine's point of view. Like, that being the thing that causes the conflict between him and the other, the others. Because, basically, to lead, he has to be thinking ahead, you know? Mm. Rather than just a straightforward, clear, we will smash them! Because anyone in that army can say, we will smash them. It's not exactly master tactician is it yeah but or, there will always or, be that sense of doubt of like am i putting my trust too much in this the, the idea that there could be peace because i mean that's the extension of john connor it's not just john connor grows up and then in 2029 he smashes the what is it sharon the defense the grid. defense grid i mean like if if he does that all that is is just the fulfillment of something which sounded not massively interesting kind of like the clone wars i might add back in 1984 See, it's better to hear the idea of the future war, the Clone Wars. Yeah. The, 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 the idea when you're actually is better. There, the current war. war, oh no. When you're actually at war, isn't as entertaining as you might hope. Um, I know there have been bajillions of war films, but when you get down to it, imagine living Saving Private Ryan every day. 
You know, um, it's 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 harrowing, and that does not get bums on seats, and that does not sell popcorn. There's something slightly removed about from the war about the Terminator films up till then. You know, because they're, they're well. The they're, whole point of the Terminator films is they are removed from the war. The yeah. whole idea of the first two is to prevent the war. Absolutely, and the I, third one establishes that you sort of that you can't change history; you can only move it. It sort of borrows the whole Doctor Who fixed point in time idea. Yeah, that's not to say, by the way, that um, you you can't do a fil- uh, film set in the future war with no time travel in particular. But as I just said, you know, getting them out of that camp—that's the first act, say, and then the uh, or maybe the middle of the second act. But by the by the third, he has to have started to like challenge, the, you know, be- begin to challenge the higher uppers, but with far- slightly more radical ideas. And for him to be doubting himself. And then basically, by the end, because let's face it, this is what um, Cameron was planning anyway. He needs to be talking to Skynet. John Mm. needs to be talking to Skynet. That is the thing we've been waiting for, really. Because it's there's the two fixed points, which are the war and, by extension, Skynet. Because uh, the war doesn't happen without Skynet, as in, like, uh, Judgment Day itself. And there's John. Now, if you can get one in tow with the other. When he goes to Skynet, John's running around in a factory dealing with the uh, CGI version of Arnie. It's almost like he may as well not even be there. It's basically Sam, like, uh, what's his name? I want to say Richard Goodboy. What's his name? Marcus Wright um, is the one who's actually going through all the characterization in this film. And it's not much, but it's more than Bale. And he's a bloody robot. No, yeah. <laughs> sort of. So he's a, 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 a cyborg. He's he's the RoboCop type guy. See, there's only actually thinking about it, casting wise. There's two bits I like, which is obviously Michael Ironside mm-hmm. and Helena Bonham Carter, just right. because she, yeah, that, that she's usually good in whatever she turns up in. If she's going to be playing crazy, Helen Bonham Carter. Yeah, and I suppose if you're going to get the voice of uh, Skynet, it actually makes sense if it's. Uh, uh, you know, a well-spoken British female actress that you that commands respect, as opposed to in the Matrix, it was just this screaming baby face made out of Sentinels. Mm. You know, see, British do villains so well. Yeah, Death Star, full of fucking British actors. Absolutely. <laughs> but, oh, oh, it's just there has to be a journey with John. It has to be the hero's journey. Mm. We've seen the growing, the sort of making, and then we have to see the hero's journey. Like you said, the only reason we're seeing. The only reason we are seeing the 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 hurting of the humans, the uh, Anton Yelchin's sort of sub Kauri subplot mm. thing is, let's evoke Holocaust imagery because that'll work, <sighs> and that's all it's there for. That needs to be in the hands of a much more tactful, uh, well-reined-in director. This is this is not what you give to the director of Pretty Fly for a white guy, or the director of Stay Alive. Mm. Uh, uh, anyway, um. Ultimately, though, and I've said this before, here's what would actually work as a Terminator sequel. Something set in 2035 or beyond. Something involving other people. Maybe have Son of Connor in there. But move away from Sarah. Move away from John. Let's move into a future where we don't know what's going to happen. And if you want to bring people back from the far future, that's interesting as well. By all means, stick time travel in there. But we can't predict what's going to happen if it's actually set way after the the defense grid's been smashed. If Skynet has evolved and has become something else, maybe if we've actually begun to rebuild after the machines. You know, because the whole future war against robots thing, it has been (laughs) done. 
Or you could do a Terminator film, like you were saying, where John Connor is just this, you never see him, maybe you hear him, but you follow just normal people. And you, you always, you hear the legend of Connor. Mm. That would be interesting. He could become a mythical, legendary character. Because that's the whole point of John Connor. He's meant to be a mythical character. That does make perfect sense in terms of showing him inspiring people. It's not the person doing the inspiring that shows you the impact. It's the people that he is inspi- inspiring. Mm. Mm. It's not Bill Pullman that sells the speech in Independence Day. It's the faces of the crowd going, yeah, we can get behind this. Yeah, it's the reactions. Mm. It, it's Bill Pullman giving those people hope. You see the influence and thus the, uh, the, the, the person at the epicenter of it becomes that much more a potent figure. Yeah. Give me a fucking answer! What don't you get about it? I was looking at the light. Oh, good for you! And how was it? I hope it was fucking good because it's useless now, isn't it? Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! Fucking thing sucks! In five, four, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. I'm Bill O'Reilly. Thanks again for watching. We'll leave you with Sting and a cut off his new album. Take it away. Okay, so as Bill O'Reilly would say, to play us out, we have Dr. Mark Kermode's entire rant about Terminator Salvation, one of his best reviews ever, just in terms of pure vitriol and exasperation. Well, let's destroy any tension by starting off by saying that it is life-threateningly dull. Um, Terminator uh, is one of those classic things, Terminator 1, good, Terminator 2, better, Terminator 3, worse, although I have to say Terminator 3 wasn't anything like as bad as it could have been. It's the old Godfather thing, 1, good, 2, better, 3, And going down, it was 18, 15, 12. Yeah, exactly, 18, 15, 12, which means in theory it should have been a PG, no, but it's it's, it's a 12 certificate movie and it exists you know solely because the money says it has to at the end of terminator 3 if you i mean the whole deal was you know in terminator 1 the terminator is a killing machine terminator 2 he's a conflicted killing machine who turns out to be a dad machine in terminator 3 everyone's a machine terminator 4 directed by mcgee the film is a machine now if you cast your mind back to uh five six months ago when there was the christian bale outburst you remember all this it was all over the news and youtube as a christian bale was on set doing a scene and the lighting cameraman had moved some lights around yeah. whilst he was doing it and he went mad and he went into this great long rant about you know how dare you do this i'm acting how dare. and of course being christian bale he did it in character in acting because christian bale's accent is of course not actually american but he does things in once he's doing a character he stays in that accent so he had a complete sort of you know ranting fit but with an american accent and michael winner was on the radio he was one of the very few people defending him saying you know if that had happened on my set I would have done exactly the same thing because when an actor is in the zone, when they're doing it, it's his scene, it's his big moment, blah, blah, blah. Of course they're going to get worked up because they're like De Niro, you know, they're thinking into the role. There was also an interview with a producer of Terminator, Terminator Salvation who said that Christian Bale didn't want to come on board originally because he didn't want to just make an action movie. He didn't want to just do that because, you know, he'd done The Dark Knight and he's, a, he's an intelligent guy. He's a very, very smart, if rather intense, young man. So all these indicators are... Well, you know, it's not just going to be a stupid action movie because obviously he didn't want to do a stupid action movie. Plus, he was so involved in the role that when somebody moved the light around, he went completely mad. So before we get to the review, here is a clip. The plot is, you remember the end of Terminator 3? Well, everything got wiped out. This is now Terminator Salvation. It's the bit that you see briefly in the Cameron movies when the machines have taken over, but there's a resistance and the whole world is post-apocalyptic. And this is the voice 
that Christian Bale will do for every line in the film, whether he is ordering an attack or ordering some milk. This is John Connor. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. And he does the whole film. That's out of that. Occasionally he gets a bit louder and then he gets a bit quieter. With that whole film. No, I can cope with that. You know, Batman speaks in that kind of no, voice. No, but, but, okay, I think everyone thinks that in Dark Knight, the Batman voice was a problem. Because in Dark Knight, they had made the decision that somehow when he was being Bruce Wayne, he talked like, you know, Christian Bell with an American accent. But when he was being Batman, he talked like that. He talked like, you know, somebody... Had, almost Yorkshire. It was well, <laughs> That's where he came from. But in this, there's a really weird thing that he's obviously gone into character and he's decided that the character of John Connor will just deliver every line in that voice. And I was, I was thinking about this. I was thinking... Why would Christian Bale be in a Terminator when he himself has said nobody thinks that Terminator 3 is the best Terminator movie, so why do we need another one? I don't want to be in just an action movie. And, of course, the film is directed by McGee, McGee, who's uh, famous for directing the two Charlie's Angels movies. And he's famous for having said in the pra- – I brought this in just to prove I'm not making it up – said in the paper over the weekend, this is McGee. I was this head- will be a Guardian supplement, of course, yeah. which will surprise nobody. No, but I just saw him, you know, I'm not making okay. it up. I was headbutted by Bill Murray. I mean, that, in a way, is the review of the film, right? McGee is a director who's headbutted by Bill Murray. I mean, I can't imagine a circumstance under which you could actually get Bill Murray to headbutt somebody, but McGee managed to do it. Now, McGee's Can entire... Can that now? No, I can't, because that's his name. Yes, okay? we'll just say it no, And he has said, oh, one of the reasons people, people don't like me is because I'm called McGee. You go, no, you know what? There are so many reasons not to like you, and the fact that you're called McGee is actually the least of them. The reason people don't like you is you can't make films right charlie's angels and charlie's angels full throttle are like let's play dress up and you can all watch and everything's got to cut every other second because there's no substance to it and in fact i'm a you know advertising commercials television director who just happens to have landed on a movie set and been given this great big dressing up box to throw at the cinema screen and i remember sitting there watching charlie's angels and starting to get sort of mild palpitations irritated this was the way cinema was going in the middle of terminator salvation the only two things that kept me going through it because it's so crushing dull. I mean, it's explosions and crashes and hitting and shooting and hitting and shooting and shouting and explosions and crashes and hitting and shooting and it just goes on and on and on and the only two things that kept me sane were, why did Christian Bale do it, right? The money? Does he he need he just did Dark Knight, which is one of the biggest selling movies of all time. And secondly why on earth is it that anyone would sign up to a movie that was directed by McGee when it is clear from his past track record that one, he can't direct films, two, his sets descend into, you know, outright aggression, three, the script wasn't the script that he wanted to do in the first place because it was just an action movie and he wasn't sure which character he wanted to do, and four, that it was, it was entirely the kind of situation in which he was suddenly going to walk on set one day, and here's what I think happened with the lighting thing, right? I think Christian Bell was on set, and somebody moved a light in the and he just suddenly went, I've woken up. I'm, I'm, I'm in a movie directed by McGee. I'm, I'm in Charlie's Angels 3. One minute I was considered to be one of the, the great acting talents of the generation. I've suddenly, it's like that thing you wake up naked in your maths exam. You know, everyone has that, right? Maybe not uh, you, maybe just me. But everyone else has some you know, dream and you suddenly, wake up, how did I get here? And I think that's what happened. I think Christian Bell literally woke up on set one day and went, ah! I'm being directed by McGee. And that, that the knowledge of thinking, because I, I, I guarantee he knows not only that the film is rubbish, but that he is absolutely rubbish in it. 
And the only thing that kept me, that held my attention... Is this the fifth point, or is it still on form? ...was looking at the face of Christian Bale and thinking, around the explosions and all the rest of it, I can see that look of absolute panic when somebody realises they're doing something that they really shouldn't be doing. A final point. The film is directed... This is is the final point. Dedicated to the memory of Stan Winston. If you want to honour the memory of Stan Winston, go and hire Vengeance the Demon, a.k.a. Pumpkinhead. Next week, we will return and talk about something really worth your time. Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. If you haven't gotten hold of it yet, you can get the first season for very little money. That should at least whet your appetite for the second season, which will cost you considerably more. But the second season is where it gets really good. So we're doing our show on that next week, uh, and there will be a spoiler section nearer to the uh, end uh, where we talk about endgame material. And here's an interesting thing. If you love Terminator and love Terminator 2, but hate Terminators 3 and Salvation, but also love the Sarah Connor Chronicles, then you're very much like me and Sharon. We want to know if you've seen Terminator Genesis and liked it, because the only people that are telling me Genesis is quite good and not too bad right now like one or the other of Terminator 3 and Salvation. So kind of think of it like a dating game. Like, you know, if, if you match our profile then you might be able to reliably tell us that Genesis might actually be worth our time. It wasn't. Dear Mark and Simon, we've just been to see Terminator Regurgitation and we thought it was <laughs> really innovative. The first ever collage movie. Every single scene was from another movie. Yeah. This just in. Next week, we're actually talking about Terminator Genesis. Stay tuned, folks. Previously on the Terminator podcasts. Are yes. you going to see Genesis? What What are your current thoughts based on the trailers, Josh? It, it looks like a fan film from the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> a fan film with exploding buses. Yeah. It just, it, it doesn't look... It doesn't look like what I want out of Terminator. Like, I want... Like, Terminator is an action series, but, like, it's an action series with a brain, and that doesn't look like an action series with a brain. That looks like, you know, a Transformers movie, but with smaller robots. Nice. (laughs) I might be wrong. I really hope I am. Why would I want to be right in this case? Why would I want that to be bad? Just so I can say, told you so. Anywho. Okay. (laughs) You ready to do the good ones? Yeah, let's do the good ones. Okay. Digital Drift, episode 74, recorded Friday 11th of July 2015, and Saturday the 12th too, because we went past midnight, so, hmm. Terminator Genesis. John, you can do this. You just go, and you don't look back. Right, well, first of all, that's confusing, because she's not saying that to John, she's saying that to Kyle. I prepared my son to lead humanity in the fight against the machines. On this night, we take back our world! But there was one thing I could never prepare him for. I don't know what that one thing is that she just mentioned there, because it never says it in this trailer. His first kiss with a lady? 
The machines tried to rig the game. Send a Terminator back to the time before the war to kill my mother. I'll go back. Let me save her. for you to arrive for over a decade. We? The Terminator. It is nice to meet you. I've been trying to teach him to blend in. I know it needs work. John. Hi, Mom. How can you be here? What are you doing? John! Yeah, so John's a Terminator now. What have they done to my son? Survival's what you taught me. I'm going to cut it short there because it's just explosions after that. Okay, you've joined us and we I have literally just got back from Terminator Genesis. The um, I just got back in the door. It was a kind of a, a surprise situation for me. I didn't expect that I would be watching it this weekend. But they had a half-off weekend on uh, at the Odeon, possibly to do with the dismal box office for Terminator Genesis last weekend. And we have with us today Sharon, who hasn't seen the film. Hello. We have James Carter of Kane and Rince. Uh, who has seen the film? Who has seen the film? Otherwise, why would I be here? Exactly. And Derek Ritchie of Console Ninjas, who has also literally just seen the film. Literally just. Thank literally you very much for coming. Up. This is what eleven oh eight on a Friday night. You guys should be out partying somewhere, enjoying your youth. Instead, we're talking about this film. <sighs> so, um, I, I would uh, like. The only reason I'm going to synopsize this film as we go along is just so I can remember the chronology of actually what happened, because otherwise I, c I could just like I could just say watch the trailer. They tell you everything. The second one specifically, um, and uh, I th okay, well let's keep everyone guessing, shall we? So we'll just we'll just start with the the film as it as it starts. It's um all right first okay. First frame of the film, pretty much. It's an alternate timeline to Terminator Salvation because John Connor meets a young Kyle Reese scrabbling in the sewers when he's like nine. So automatically, it's undoing the chronology of what happened in Terminator Salvation. So automatically, I was like, oh, thank God that didn't happen. Ooh, okay. Uh, it it <laughs> seemed like it was still part and parcel of Terminator 3, though. Did, it, did that seem like that to you? Like Give the, or take. The, yeah, yeah. The, the missiles yeah. went off. They were kind of non-specific about it. Like you could, well, it, it wasn't 1997 because otherwise young Carl Reese couldn't have had a family. Um, but I, it, it kind of does still fit in with the chronology of Terminator 3. So it's like they're already, they're working from a new timeline anyway. Yes. I think my, my brain did several knots uh, on this one. So right, new timeline for Terminator. So young Kyle meets... Um, John Connor in a sewer and then it cuts to the future war and they're, they're shooting dudes and it's a lot less grimy and miserable than, than Terminator Salvation a lot less shouty uh, it seemed like a like it was basically just Transformers again yeah I mean uh, your, your summation of the future war gentlemen I, I kind of got the impression what they decided to do was to go right um, let's go back to the stuff that people really liked which mm. was the first and the second one and we're going to work off that as yeah. a basis of the timeline from the start. Yeah. 
So we'll have a lot of the same sort of iconography and all that sort of thing from the start. And those other ones will just kind of gloss over. Yeah. I mean, that they actually, now that you mentioned, the HKs did look rather more like the earlier HKs than they, they did the later ones. Uh, and, uh, uh, yeah, so- and, and there's nothing to necessarily require 3 to still be part of the timeline. It's just that yeah, certainly not now. there's nothing to exclude it either, I suppose, at yeah. this point. So. Yeah, I mean, you, you could think that 3 happened in this version, but uh, by the or end of it... Think that, it yeah, it's very, folks. It's very much an X Men Days of Future Past thing. So, like, whatever chronology happened, just just scrub it. Just blackboard white. Just doesn't matter anymore. Uh, if you're going to hold to this timeline, I think as far as the actual scenes of the war itself, um, notably lacking the ominous kind of atmosphere and tone of yeah. any scenes of Future War from the first two films. No, there's a lot less crushing skulls. Yeah, but... Stuff's gone. Yeah, there wasn't necessarily... There's a lot more... Well, not a lot more, but there's a bit more spectacle in this in terms of your standard sort of mm. war scene, but actually there's something incredibly poignant and, um, yeah, ominous about the scenes, the way they're done in T1 and T2 that just isn't remotely yeah, here at absolutely. all. absolutely. Um, oh, I thought you were going to say this was done in an incredibly poignant way. I was like, wow. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. This was very functional. Yeah, I mean, functional is a good way of putting it. It just sort of happened for about eight or nine minutes. Um, they get to the time machine and explain to idiots um, what a, a time machine does. And my God, I mean, like, if... Uh, it, honestly, this is a less dumb film than T3 by a considerable margin. And I'll say right now... You know how we, I've mentioned, uh, I say mentioned, sh- shouted that T3 is an anti-Terminator film and it was made by people who, who seemingly were very intimidated by the first two and were just like, we don't even want to try fuck everyone. Um, yeah. This one, Josh predicted it's just going to be basically Terminator fanfic. That is a really good summation of the film. He completely called it in the air. It's yeah, certainly a good summation of the first 30 to 45 minutes. Of at the least, year. yeah. yeah it's it's a large amount of balancing between getting people who are coming into this for the first time mm. while also doing a lot of stuff that if you've watched the first two films again you're going to look at it and go oh yeah oh yeah so it's kind of weird because there's a lot of bits at the start that you kind of sit and go I've kind of been through this none of this is new but they have to do it because it's been so long that it'll be a group of the audience that was never seen the first two films hmm. at this point. I mean, if it's a 12, which it is, um, and it'd be a PG-13 in America, that means that the large catchment of the audience shouldn't see The Terminator yet. Exactly. Now, just because I've shown it to Lyra doesn't mean that I trust the adults in this audience to have shown it to their kids. Case in point, behind me, on just directly behind me, I had a 12-year-old boy who would not shut the fuck up the whole way through the movie. He's just like, oh, that again. Oh, that was in the first one. Also, obviously, he had seen it. Oh, yeah. that, that was again. I, like, it, it got insane. Like, when there was a car chase, he was like, oh, that's a good car. Like, really loud. <laughs> well, and- to, to be fair, we had a at least 35, if not 40-year-old man who was clearly on a date with someone nice. sitting two seats down from us who was doing pretty much the same thing basically sat there trying to show off that he understood all the references to the original films and it's 
we had to ask him to shut up. Oh, it I, was I wa- so bad. I wanted to, but on general principle, I could. Like, well, yeah, yeah. Let me just continue to his dad, who didn't seem to be particularly delighted with the film, unless they did a funny bit. Like every time the T eight hundred smiled and went eh like that, he was slapping his thigh. He T3 was just having a big old chuckle. Don't you just know it? Yeah, he was like, oh, I wish they could all be like T three. He was just chuckling away, and the guy directly on my left kept burping the whole time. <laughs> That's reflux. <laughs> Were you surrounded by the three stooges and just didn't know it? I was. I was like taking. I, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills, <laughs> and um, I just I kept like holding my hat. Like you know that what Stan does in South Park. <laughs> Basically, like if you actually shot a camera on the four of us, it would have been yammering directly behind me, laughing directly beside him, burping directly beside him, and then head in hand, like pinching. The area between my eyes, me, Stan, in <laughs> at the front there. The only consolation, the only consolation was that the lady on the right of me clearly cared about Terminator. Mm-hmm. And there was a bit when Kyle... When they cut to 1984 and they, they recreate several like shots from Terminator 1, there's a bit where Kyle's shoe comes down and he sort of does the Velcro up. Yeah. And I did that little Velcro do up with my finger and noticed she was doing the same thing. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, Sharon, but, think... by the way, ask questions all the way along if you, if you have anything that you want to ask. Okay. All right. If anything springs to mind, I so will... So Im- important uh... stuff from the kind of um, the future war. Yeah, go back 20, to that. Sorry. Um, so we cut from when Kyle is rescued by uh, John Connor um, to a point where he is clearly integral in the resistance and John is kind of keeping him somewhat at arm's length, it seems. Yeah. He considers him his right hand, but there's clearly there's some intentional distance there, although we find out that um, that actually... Kyle is the one that he has told just about everything about Sarah that he knows too. Yeah. Um, and and he's, he's the only one who's him. got that picture and um, et cetera. Yeah. Um, oh, that picture's there, Sharon. They completely recreate it. They, they recreate Clark. that with Amelia yeah. Clark. Oh, um, um, which kind of either makes it that um, that bit in where the picture burns up in the first one was definitely a dream or that bit just didn't happen because he's got it just before he goes in the time machine. Yeah, it's not nearly burnt enough indicate it might have been rescued nah, from the yeah. fire no, that was bubbling so, uh, so yeah that, that didn't happen but you know get used to that didn't happen <laughs> so yeah anyway they explain about the time machine so, so the, other, the only other thing that happens of, of import is that Kyle and John don't go off with the main thrust of the resistance to take down Skynet they go to a separate site yeah. which the reason for that is because that's where the time machine is and John knows mm-hmm. that and there's this notion that John has basically precognition because uh, he always knows where to go and what to do and what's yeah. going to happen. My mother told me. To, to a certain extent, yeah. he's got yeah. pieces of information that help him become the leader of the resistance. Yeah, he, he, he actually refers to it as cheating in the film. And, yeah. uh, there was a, a vaguely refreshing line where he's like, right, once you go back, no more cheating for me. This is literally, this is as much as I know. This is as far as it goes, yeah. Which was at least good fourth dimensional thinking on the part of the writers. The writers, let's uh, see, are uh, uh, Lato Caligrodis and Patrick Lucier who have written Drive Angry, My Bloody Valentine 3D, White Noise, The Light. Remember that one, Sharon? Mm. Dracula 3 Legacy, Dracula 2 Ascension, Dracula 2000, The Prophecy 3D Ascent. I remember reading... um, Oh, no, he was the editor of those. He was the writer of... 
Oh, no, he was the director of those. He's the writer of Terminator Genesis, Drive Angry 3D, Dracula 3 Legacy, <laughs> Dracula 2 Ascension, Dracula 2000. I remember reading those names and going, this is going to be shit. And I was right. You know, I hate to call it in the air, folks, but I'm right about these things. When the pedigree is of nothing not, but shit not films. And it's, it's not like they shouldn't be able to get decent writers on a film like this. Yeah. I'm yeah. not saying it would have necessarily turned out better, but why can't you get someone of a caliber, you know, who at least understands the original films more than just some references and understands how to write time travel as we were talking about on Twitter earlier in the week. Alex. And well, then do you want to do you want to be the person that picks up that kind of chalice? That's the thing. Well, yes, you, yes I do. Well, yeah, but there'd be a lot of I can imagine there's a lot of writers that'd be a little bit intimidated by oh, wanting to take yeah. on something like this when if it goes wrong, it goes Wrong in a big way. Yeah, if it goes, well, wrong, if it goes just... wrong and the writing's decent, you still come out, you know, yeah. plenty of writers and directors write and direct stinkers, but actually their job on it was okay and they carry on to um, to bigger and better things afterwards. So See, the, think... you have to know more than just, like, know the Terminator films. You have to also understand story structure and character, and, and the, the, two, the writers of uh, the, the previous three Terminator films do not understand those, but at least these writers have seen the Terminators 1 and 2 Several times and definitely made notes. Yeah. Um, well, that'll help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that might be important. we, we got to get well off done. the top. You have done the minimum required for, for writing a Terminator <laughs> sequel. The, uh, they, uh, so, yeah, Carl gets uh, explained to this, goes back in time, and uh, as he's going back, um, he notices that uh, uh, Doctor Who has uh, crept up behind John Connor and, like, grabbed him and started to, like, you know, uh, like, turn him all, like, cover him all in stuff. And then John ends up back in 1984. And that's when the fun begins, because there is a brief section. It's actually longer than I thought it would be, where this film actually was vaguely diverting, and I was, this is the bit I was looking forward to, and it was um, amusing, in, in that basically it was the the event like like some early events of the terminator and and then right now we've diverged history so what do we do now so like the uh, original terminator arrives and then old terminator who i won't call uncle bob we never did find out who sent him did we no to no, be answered in another very much a setup to for, be answered in yeah. another movie much like the parentage of mr peter parker yeah. they don't know themselves <laughs> there's there's kind of two there's two big issues I have in terms of story with this film. Um, that's one of them, because apparently old Arnie, who arrived when um, Sarah was nine, nineteen seventy-three, yeah. yeah, was sent by somebody. Yeah, but he uh, doesn't I, know I, who because it's been erased from his mind. It's a good way of making sure that the person who sent him doesn't get targeted for termination because if they've been erased from his memory banks, then Skynet can't know about them. Uh, I, I have a suspicion about that, but I think it's probably best kept for the end because it, it's it's as open and obvious a shot at we're coming back for more with this film yeah. as okay. as the the very end sort of uh, post credits teaser. Course, yeah. I, I, so, I have I, a suspicion I, as well, so it'd be interesting to see if mine matches yours. Okay. <laughs> so uh, yeah, a young strapping uh, CGI Arnie turns up. Your clothes, give them to me, and um, stand in for Bill Paxton and uh, yeah. punks managed to get away without being killed horribly. Guy who looks like Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, the one bit of this kind of homage back to T1 that I didn't like was there's no getting around the fact that those guys aren't 
recognize because everyone recognizes that's Bill Paxton. We all know that it's mm. a nice little touch when you see it. Oh fuck it! The kid behind me went, "Oh, this is Cosmos Terminator." Yes, I, yes, we I, all know. I, I don't see why we need to see those punks. I don't see why old Arnie couldn't interrupt young Arnie before he actually got to that conversation. Yeah, I know the conversation's iconic, etc., but that's not Bill Paxton. So unless you're going to try and de-age Bill Paxton and, and put him in there. Yeah, so yeah. anyway, old yeah. uh, Terminator, whose actual name, he's been named Pops by uh, young Sarah Connor, um, has, uh, comes in and they have, they have a big ruck, and then uh, Sarah, using a sniper rifle, shoots uh, you know high velocity round into um young arnie and uh kills it just kills the terminator which is great and um then kyle turns up meets a hobo who goes hey buddy did you just see a real bright light did 21 takes and that was (laughs) the best one (laughs) and then yes he steals his pants and he goes that son of a bitch no hang on i'm doing it too well that son of a bitch took my pants yeah, <clears throat> I, I, I sniggered, but uh, <laughs> it's not anywhere like the hobo they got for the original. I mean, they even got like, um, uh, uh, like the the, the old uh, the driver of that uh, garbage truck, um, and, and they sort of got a look alike to uh, you know, when the when the yeah. first Terminator appears, yeah. and you know the kid behind me piped up, "Is that guy for the original?" Yeah, yeah, we, you'll see a lot of that. Shut up. Um, <laughs> so it's a bit weird because you see all these shots that you go, "Yeah, that that's pretty much the same shot," but yeah. the guys. All look a bit weird now, and <laughs> I see what you're trying to do, but in the same way, it's it's like the uncanny vanny when you're playing yeah. a video game. Actually, <laughs> so you look at it and you go, "It's not quite right." But especially with CG mm. Arnie. <laughs> yeah, but whoever got to do his buttocks must have been loving it. Yeah, although you don't get to see that, that you don't get to see the crack like you did in the original. Right? <laughs> oh, Let's hold no. off on the crack. There's no shadow. There is that <laughs> shot, but they, there is a, the, the shadow is over the crack. Uh. Yes. They're, um, they're very particular about that this time, and uh, so yeah. Anyway, Kyle uh, goes into the furniture, the the, the men's store, but um, so the department store. But before he can get in there, uh, an, an Asian cop stops him and then starts to stab him with pointy things. But we all know he's the T one thousand because we've seen the trailer. So um, th- then he he shoots it, gets in there. There's a big sort of run, running around, and then because as you see in the trailer, Sarah kind of turns up in a truck. Come with me if you want to live. Well, hey, um, and uh, then there's one very the. The Reese gets into the shopping mall on the third floor through a window. Yeah. Yet somehow the van ends up coming in through the front door. There's no indication. It must have obviously gone downstairs, but it doesn't really it's give an indication. So in my head, as I thought the van had jumped off the yeah. ramp onto the third floor of the shopping centre. There is actually cut happened. after he picks up the clothes and then yeah. you see him putting on the trainers. That's yeah. presumably where he ran to. Well, I remember in the original Terminator, Reese gets down the escalator. He yeah. sashays down the escalator. I like the idea that there's some sort of flying van now. Uh, frankly, considering most of the action scenes in this, I would not put it past Alan Taylor to introduce a flying van. I, I will say, by the way, Alan Taylor needs to stop making films. Uh, a totally thoroughly forgettable Marvel film, and that's actually saying something. The the uh, I think probably one of my least favourite uh, Marvel films, uh, Thor: The Dark World, and and then this totally thoroughly forgettable Terminator film. Stop stop him. Um, and, and same with <laughs> same with Jai Courtney. Look, oh yeah, the gap. Yeah. 
is a perfectly good place for these guys to work. You know, he can be an assistant manager. Jai Courtney can fold sweaters. They can make a decent living. Just get off our screens. Get off from behind the cameras. It's, you don't know what you're doing. You're Sam not net, but you yeah. just kind of putter along. Utterly oh, just Sam, Sam Worthington's been in some decent films. Come on. Jai yeah, Courtney? But, he, but has mm. he been decent in those films? <laughs> You know what? Sam Worthington had charisma compared with Jai Courtney. That's fair. Yeah, but it was very it, good in Cake. To be fair, was Sam Worthington? Wasn't he in? He was in um, Sabotage. He was Monster or Neck. Yes. I can't remember which. <laughs> Um, anyway, so they're in the department store, they're driving away. Sarah starts with the exposition to Kyle. Uh, when she was nine years old, her parents were killed by the T-1000. It's never really, like, is it supposed to be that T-1000? No, I no? think it's, no, I it's, think it's, it's, um, the, the, we took care of him. Gotcha. Is, is from that, so. Really? No, no. Isn't the we want, the, we took care of him, it was the, uh. Oh, no, that's the. Let's just talk about the yeah. first Terminator. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Right. She, her parents were killed by AT one thousand, which may or may not have been killed by a rocket launcher wielding uh, pops who turns up on the dock after Sarah swims away from the boat where they've been attacked. And you must just swim in a straight line. You can do that. One, one of the only good lines, I suppose. In it. Yep. Um, and yeah. So she's been with this guy since she was nine years old. He's trained her up. Amelia Clark. Do we like? She's better um, than Jai Courtney. <laughs> I think I a, that's damning with fake praise, isn't it? There was a uh, the the bit that fell off the van um, was that was actually a bit of the T one thousand was better than Jai Courtney. It was more yeah. compelling because I was like, "What's <laughs> going to happen with that bit?" I knew what I, was going to happen with Jai Courtney. Every I step. thought she was considering. Let, let's be honest here. This is not going to be a script or lines of dialogue that's going to be winning any form of awards mm-hmm. any point soon. It's also soon. one of the hardest roles to step into oh, yeah. because well, it's absolutely iconic. It's like playing more, more so than Michael Bean as, as, um, yeah. Yeah. as Kyle Reese. You can kind right. of get away with fudging that character a, a bit. You shouldn't, but you can. But yeah, Linda Hamilton is Sarah Connor. She is Sarah Connor. So To a degree, I, it's worse than Batman because that now Batman's been several different people. Like you could, there are people who everyone's different got a different favorite yeah. Batman. Yeah. Now there have been many Sarah Connors, but everyone goes back to Hamilton. So I thought she did. I thought she did actually pretty decently, considering. Yeah, so um, it's. Yeah, I thought she came out of it with a decent amount of credit. Actually. There were a few moments where you bought the fact that this girl, but for pops, could have been. The waitress. A waitress who didn't really know what to do with her life, but she's lacked parents, but had a Terminator bring her up. So she's kind of much more quickly, despite the fact she is the same age as Sarah was in, in T1, or Terminator, I guess. Um, she's much more quickly got towards who she is. She's kind of midway between... Yeah, she's not unhinged to, like Sarah is in T2. Yeah, no, and no, I think there's a good... There's a light, there's a nice strand in the film where I like the fact she regales against the fact that her life has already been dictated, mm, mm. and they kind of unfortunately undo that a little bit. I think at the end, yeah. But I like the fact that at least they acknowledge the fact that she should be a bit annoyed, mm. and she should question the life that apparently mm. she is being given, even after nine years. But yes, yeah, exactly. she's she's also been around pops and and through all this for so long that she's kind of, she kind of never came unhinged because that's her life. She was young enough that she adapted to it. And he's pretty steady, I guess, as a, uh, a yeah. rock to hold on to. Oh, that, that kind of just reminds me of uh, the bit in T1 where she goes, I never wanted it. 
Yeah, that's, of course, just reminds. I think, me that, of, I think uh, that's a good thing. It's a nice strand yeah. to be in there because it it would have been really easy for them to not even bother her asking that, just mm. to kind of her to go along with it and Jai to turn up and she goes, "Oh look, you've got pecs." Ooh. But um, <laughs> uh, no, See, they, they actually, you never said he was going to be cute. <laughs> I think they at least made her stand up to her future in yeah. a way that they could have easily ignored. Would it be fair to say, because from the way you're describing how she's being presented in this, mm. um, it sounds like what they've done is fused Sarah and John from T2. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. She, she's more she's capable than John like in that, T2, John. but yeah, yeah. She's more capable, less fun, um, but that she, she doesn't have that, you know... Uh, optimism for the future in the same way that John does. She doesn't nice. have you just can't go around killing people. Well, she has said that well, she, yeah. uh, Pops isn't allowed to kill people. Yeah. Although it's it's never explained whether that was in his programming when he was, yeah. it, presumably it must have been in his programming when he was sent back because she wouldn't know how to reprogram him. So. Yeah, true. Not as a nine-year-old girl, so anyway. The, the learning switch must already have been dipped, as it were, and at least allowed her, she may have told him that. but Yeah, yeah actually, yeah. Unless... Unless the learning switch was already um, on and she was, uh, see, I don't know. It didn't really feel like he was learning that much along the way, did it? Not in the same way. Like by the end of T2, that Uncle Bob Terminator, yeah. I love the way that we can dif- differentiate them <laughs> that way, um, is definitely very different to how he starts. Yeah. And that's then he's already pets. had 10 years around Sarah to learn. Yeah, then just add so- an extra 33 the only thing that lists Terminator pretty Marvel. much just gathering weapons and standing still. <laughs> so I kind of half expected yeah. him to wake up 33 years later, stood in exactly the same position, and just blow dust out of his eyes. But nice. uh, pretty much, that but, would, uh, have been, would have been a nice touch. But um, Sarah's think, the most three-dimensional character uh, out of all this whole film. Yeah. Mm. Sarah's the one that at least was the most intriguing. Um, and I think, I think the one thing that is kind of nice about her character is that you get to see her. Kyle's supposed to be the same, but she is different, which gives you a different dynamic between the two of them. Now, I'm not saying this film does it well at all, but it, it's not retreading their relationship from the Terminator. Hell no, it's not. Kyle's supposed to be the same. Complete. Kyle is nothing like Kyle yeah. Reese. Jai Courtney is rubbish. We already know Jai Courtney's rubbish. What's the one defining thing about Kyle Reese? He is shell-shocked. He's traumatized. He's super intense all the time. He's yeah. barely holding on. Jai Courtney turns up, swaggering, man pecs. I use this to find my car keys. What do you mean keys? <laughs> yeah. It, he's it, he's way too comfortable. Yeah. In this situation. Now it could be he's a different Kyle Reese because he had he grew up in a different way. You know, he he experienced green. Um, uh, but at the same time, there isn't a shred of the Kyle Reese we know in this guy. He is nothing. And, and like he, Kyle he should Reese. he should be incredibly tired of of war. And there's a couple of lines in the future war stuff about mm. what they're going to do in the future. He's like um, white picket fence. Yeah. And John goes, I'm, "Cold beer will be good." And it's like, okay. Uh, does, yeah. does this Carl even know what beer is? He must have been told about it, but that's it. <laughs> I mean, that, he said that they, they made a still and it exploded. Sorry, Karen. No, uh, it's, yeah, it's just... 
you never get the feeling that he is just beaten down by war, yeah. desperate to get away from it, and then gets back to 1984 yeah. and just thinks this is so much worse. It's almost how you feel Kyle is in the first film. There's no sense of stalking presence in this film whatsoever. Now, it could be that I've just seen It Follows yesterday. Do you want to talk about stalking presence? (laughs) But this, who's the Terminator in this film? There's an answer to that, but it doesn't ever really feel like he's coming. In that no, same way, no. not like not even in the same ballpark. It's well, not the same league. It's not yeah, because because he's not, and there's there's a there's an opportunity to do something different with Skynet and the Terminators in this. But yeah, I think they they fall very far short of what might have been interesting doing oh, yeah. something different. So, they could, um, but then again, I don't think he could have gone down the same route as a because every Terminator film, apart yeah. from Salvation, yeah. has yeah. effectively been the idea of uh, enemy that does not stop hunting yeah. you. Yeah, make it a bit more intelligent. I don't. Yeah. Arguably, I don't think they necessarily succeeded, but no, they don't. I, I think <laughs> oh, it was it's yeah. trying to make a an enemy that came back in time not just to hunt somebody. Hmm. Yeah. I, I agree. Actually, that some Maximum. variation on the original. They're not just trying to remake T two uh, and T one like T three was, um, and uh, I terminate a salvation. Oh, okay, right. It does fall into the same trap, though, at the beginning when John's giving his speech. He's like, you know, if, if if this thing goes back in time and kills my mother, then everything is lost. And I thought, one second, are we still like under the notion that without John Connor, no one would lead these people? Are you fucking yeah. kidding yeah. me? Still now? Still? Yeah. 33 years <laughs> later, it's still all about John Connor. And like... No one ever calls him on it and goes, well, one second, whoa, 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 whoa. you said every victory we've won, the resistance is gone. What if you didn't exist and someone else did? Well, you know, that, that's what we call a variable. Well, let's just go ahead and test that variable, shall we? The thing they wouldn't have is his foresight. Yeah, yeah. Which, Which of course, is born of the made, loop. A, made a massive difference. But yeah, it's it's not like suddenly humanity just gets wiped out because one man's not mm. there. But that's the um, paradox, though, because he yeah. always had the foresight because it was always a loop and then it diverged from there. Yeah. But it can't always be a loop and then diverge from there. It is a paradox to actually have Terminator 1 followed by Terminator 2. That's So, I mean, I, I'm effectively calling bullshit on the original Terminator 2, one of my favourite films of all time there. Holding it to <laughs> a camera. Okay. If we're going to start talking about time paradoxes then, yeah. let's yeah. just... Let's I mean, like, it's... Uh, you could... Oh. And actually, <laughs> the setup for this film, once you find out what actually happened to John when he's standing next to the time machine, yeah. is actually... It almost works because at that point the time machine still exists and you still can use it to send Terminators wherever the heck you want. Mm. So that that aspect of it kind of almost works. You, yeah. can, you can still imagine a position where there are multiple uh, Terminators going back and, and mm. with multiple different objectives, etc. But yeah, it's... But the rules change from can be, would be, always going to be happening to, you know, the future is not set, um, in which case... Like, yeah, like I say, paradox. But I mean, that's fine, because T2 was brilliant. And it actually doesn't matter about the paradox, because T2 was brilliant. Back to the future 2, Marty and Jennifer cannot jump into a future where they're still alive and just old. But it doesn't matter, because it's brilliant. Yeah, because you're enjoying what's happening, so you're willing to just say, I'm going with this, because mm. actually the films don't give you 
a chance until afterwards to stop and think about Hang it because on. you're enjoying the moment. Um, yeah, and plus Doc's explaining it in such a fun way. But yeah. we get no Doc in this. We get everyone else trying to explain time travel. And they do it so many times. It actually got confusing for me, and I love time travel. Um, but mainly it's because I was like, wait, hang on, I've got a handle on it. Have you got a handle on it? Do you know what you're talking about? It seems like you do. <laughs> Have you drawn this out on a piece of paper? Well, in, in this one, as you say, it's um, Days of Future Past where it's they're yeah. actually, they just need to explain it just enough that you buy that they're resetting everything. Oh, a Time Lord did it. A literal Time <laughs> a Lord A literal Time it. Lord. Anyway, so uh, we're so yeah, they're they're driving through the place. So they're still explaining this stuff to Kyle, and uh, then the T one thousand turns up and blah blah blah. It's an action sequence, and then it, they go to a warehouse, and then uh, the T one thousand gets in there. Then uh, the they go down to the basement, and they've set up a big acid trap. Yep. And uh, I remember reading this on um, <laughs> Wikipedia. They destroy the T one thousand using acid. Chances of that happening? Uh, hundred to one. You're like you could do with a drink. Whiskey, please double. Excuse me. Yes, miss. But obviously, it is. It actually was carefully set up by Sarah to uh, to to do exactly yeah, this. It's and a so, trap, and yeah, it turns out they actually wanted him to follow them. Yeah. Uh, and well, um, sorry, Karen. The bit where the the bit where pops holds his arm out into the acid mm. while the other Terminator 1000 is melting. Yeah, Would and he's holding not, it there. Does that not, not melt They're not his made of the same stuff, though, are they? No, they're not made of the same stuff. That makes sense. No. One's, one's endoskeleton, one's polymimetic alloy, so presumably this is carefully planned. Yeah, and there's the right kind of acid. exactly yeah. what concoction... I, I guess. Yeah. It's just one of those times that I was sitting there going... When you watch it, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, why is why is his arm still there? Because if yeah, he's that's... sacrificing his arm, fair enough. You know, yeah. that makes sense as well. But actually, if you think, you know, T-800 knows what, exactly what he needs to use yeah. to destroy polymimetic alloy and not himself. And detailed files. Yeah. Although that don't... would have made perfect sense if his arm had melted off and he'd sacrificed it because Absolutely. it was the arm that kicked it all off in the first place. Oh, that arm comes yeah. back later. Not that literal arm, but his arm <laughs> comes back, gets um, used. But yeah, I would have been happy if his arm melted off as well because it's like, no, we need to stop this guy now. Sacrificing my arm is worth it yeah. for, for now, as it turns out. Yeah, it's, it's I think we're over the part where we look at the fact that an arm... It's like a Terminator arm is attached to a human body and don't go, ooh, how did he do that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, that's what I felt like a little bit. It's like, ooh, well, you can do that now. Well, that's fancy. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, T-1000 melts. They go downstairs to the sub-basement to their, where they've got their time machine there. They've been building that for nine years. And yeah. um, the, the plan <laughs> is to go forward to 1997. But Kyle says, no, no, because I've suddenly got new memories of a different timeline uh, where I, you know, basically he, he now has the memories of himself as a child when there was the war and himself as a child when there wasn't the war and the, yeah. war, the war, in fact, didn't happen. And um, the well, Terminator explains this later, like three say. times. Yeah. And um, yeah, like, can you understand from what we just said, Sharon? What's going no. on? Oh, right, okay. Cut. Top. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, right. Um, at some point, 
The timeline skewed into an alternate 1984, <laughs> and Kyle has different memories when the war didn't happen in 1997. Oh, I've got you. So his his brain is basically giving him two sets of memories that he's having it's difficulty overlaid. reconciling. Yeah, yeah. and Wolverine just... does the same. Yeah, mm. In Days of Future yeah. Past, he's like, wait a minute, I remember this, but I also remember this. Yeah. yeah so um, when he travels back in time, he starts getting essentially visions of a childhood that he recognises himself Gotcha. In, in looking into a mirror, but it's not a childhood he remembers, as it were, right. or he okay. lived through. He he now remembers something that didn't. One happen. possible future, um, and and they explain it as there are. So the T eight hundred apparently has information about time travel files. So so he knows so it explains that there are nexus points where key. If if it's a if it's a significant enough point in time. <laughs> Timeline will split, and which that's is what when, happens here. Yeah, which is when John's attacked. Back. I am but, not sure how John being attacked in the future affects the timeline in the past, but I think what they're trying to say is at these nexus points, you can start to see other timelines, whether or not they diverge mm. onwards right. from here. You so, might be able to see other stuff that led to this point as well. So, so this is your constants and variables theory, yeah, at play in this one, because yeah. I mean, I have to admit, from what um, the the focus on. Kyle and how this affects him. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Um, and really. the, the, well, in terms of, of sort how of looking at it through those eyes, how it's supposed yeah. to affect him. Mm-hmm. The, the deleted scene from Terminator 1 mm-hmm. with Kyle breaking down and, and saying the whole he's not supposed to see any of this. Basically, although you don't see any of that in T3 because they don't go into it, mm-hmm. the shifting of the date of Judgment Day effectively, mm-hmm. what Changes they do. They, exactly. They buy Kyle more time mm. to mm. be not a war child. Yeah. 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 And that would if would affect so the impact boring. he had on Sarah, <laughs> and that would affect the impact that she had on John. So effectively, every time they do that, they are adjusting mm. the past timeline slightly. That does make sense, because Kyle's more boring, Sarah's more boring, and John's a lot more boring <laughs> in this. So, yeah. Well done, I think. Um... <laughs> So, yeah, um, I, I suppose if you put the nexus point, is the point when Kyle's going back, he's going back to what he thinks is going to be the regular 1984. But as uh, the evil Doctor Who um, strikes, he's creating an alternate timeline where John goes back and changes things again. So the, the basically Kyle is able to observe two different timelines and be on the way to one timeline that mm-hmm. then changes to another. But yeah. the, the reason that what's happening in 2029 can affect what's happening in 1984. Mm. The only thing I can think of is that as evil Doctor Who attacks John Connor, Mm. that then leaves the time machine still there, still operable, so it's possible to send Terminators back to 1973, which resets. You have to assume that something has happened after the fact of... uh, Reese going back in time mm. that allows further things to go back further in time. Yeah, to go back before him. To then affect the current timeline. So to that 1984 to a different is different and that 1997 yeah. isn't Judgment Day anymore. Yeah. Do you know what? I want to see Los Angeles 2030. Can we please get past this fucking date? <laughs> please, I beg you, get past. I mean, this the events of this film hopefully will actually allow it to move forwards. That's maybe the only good thing about it. Um, 
I mean, there's not maybe the only good thing about it. There, there's, there's a couple of good things. There's good things at this point, actually. This is maybe the best bit of the film for me because Kyle's uh, undressing behind some lockers and Sarah's undressing behind some lockers and they're talking to each other. And Kyle doesn't know that he's going to be uh, um, mating with Sarah. <laughs> um uh, uh, or, and and specifically, she's aware that he falls in love with uh, her, and uh, she's like, I don't want this to happen because if if I fall in love with you, you're gonna die. I'm aware of that. You're gonna die. I've been told that by um, Pops, who was told it by John, maybe John, someone, presumably, or presumably. someone who knew John, or someone who knew yeah. of. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, yeah, Sarah. Sarah doesn't want Kyle to die, and so there's a little odd tender moment between them, and and, and little bits of you know. Sarah's very much I don't need any help, and um, there there is a little bit of balance throughout this of like you know she's tough and she can do what you know she can do what's needed. He's also tough. There's kind of a balance there, and you know they have a, a their own robot friend, which is yeah, I mean, nice balance. Okay, uh, it's, it's where it comes back to her wanting to be freed from. Fate, effectively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And specifically, she doesn't, you know, she feels manipulated. Like, oh, I'm going to fall in love with this guy. And then when he finds out about it, he feels manipulated because he was manipulated by John all these years, groomed, as I said. And uh, then like, he's like, well, I'm going to fall in love with her, really? And like, they, they bicker quite a lot throughout this. Um, and so rather than going to 20, 1997, as was her plan, um, he like yanks the chip out of the machine because they were using the uh, the the new Arnie, young Arnie, T-800 chip to um, <clears throat> get the time machine working. He yanks it out and goes, no, 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 no. it's got to be 2017. you got to trust me. And he does this, you just swim in a straight line thing to her. And she goes, oh, how did you know that? And um, he gets another flashback of young Sarah doing it to his young child hand. Did you guys feel a bit creeped out by the fact that this, like, nine-year-old kid was, like, fondling the hand of a girl he's later going to fuck? It, a woman. It, it's definitely... A beautiful I think woman. The way, the way it's shot, and when we get to that scene later on, the way, the way it's intended to be shot is there's almost when... And at the end, actually, uh, when... Um, Kyle, Kyle, Kyle himself has that conversation. Mm. There is this notion of should you really be leaning on the notion of a yeah nine-year-old Kyle mm. being hopeless? I mean, yeah, okay, he may be at the sort of age where he can start to appreciate those feelings, but yeah, this is a 19, 20-year-old woman that you're pushing on some pretty awkward uh, mm. scenes there, I think, and the way so it was shot could have been a little more innocent. This is an Oedipal complex that's going to last for the rest of eternity. Yeah. I mean, honestly, through time and space. It could have been done a lot worse. It wasn't done cack handed, and, and uh, no. th- there was a little bit of sensitivity there. It's not, not the worst scene by all means, but it did feel a wee bit creepy. <clears throat> so they end up in 2017, and they burst out naked onto a highway, and loads of cars going around them. It's nighttime. It's exactly that bit in Sarah Connor Chronicles, but nobody saw that, so let's just peel for it, and that's fine. Um, and uh, they've jumped into the future so that they can basically film today and not have to constantly recreate a previous time. Uh, so that's Sarah Connor Chronicles. That was a good idea there. So let's peel for it. That's fine as well. I, it doesn't matter if they peel for that because it's a dead-end show. So yeah. I will say one thing. I do like the setup of the idea of what Genesis is mm-hmm. just because 
it actually relates pretty well to what's happening just now anyway with the idea of everything being in a hyper-connected state. <laughs> Basically. Somebody said that this movie has become like the dad movie and the cloud is going to kill us. Yeah, it's, it's, exactly There's an element just... of... Because every effectively what Genesis is, the, the, the subtitle of the film, yeah. relates to a operating system that is going to be on every device, which is what you find out when you get to that part. Uh, in the, future. the spelling of the uh, yeah. of the title or subtitle as well. So. Yeah. But if you look at any device now, that's all they want to do. They want to be on all your systems you and connect system. all your data and make sure everything that you want is accessible. That, that but tap, this is lots of companies who want. So to I'm assuming this. Apple and Microsoft did not put up any fight in this issue because everyone else exactly will be fighting it, yeah. for their own existence. This is what every company wants to be, but in a realistic world where we have, like we have obviously in real life, mm. that doesn't happen because if you've got an open market, no one company gets a monopoly. Yeah, because, they always pull this shit in dystopian sci-fi, yeah. don't they? Or, yeah. or utopian this sci-fi. Is the Everyone's one company, all crazy the one about guy just who, one thing. Yeah. And like you know, you you, you know, from a, 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 a an outsider's point of view, you'd think everyone was like that about Apple. But if you've ever hung around the Android forums, that ain't the case. <laughs> Or just, just the Apple forums when Android users turn up. It's certainly more interesting now considering the large amount of security debate that we've got on going yeah. on around these sort of things, certainly. So uh, let's give Sharon a guessing game, shall we? Uh, who do you think developed this incredible operating system, which will turn on in four days, 12 hours, 16 minutes, and 10 seconds? John Connor. Yeah. But he was with uh, a father-son duo inventing team. Um, Remember, T2 didn't happen. Oh, Miles and Danny. Yeah, they jumped over it. So Miles is totally alive, and uh, but even though he didn't have that uh, endoskeleton arm to work mm. with, uh, so yeah, Miles and Danny, and it's kind of nice to see them working together. And they, uh, they obviously kind of skip over the fact that that's Miles, though. They don't dwell on that yeah. a lot. Yeah. Dwelling much more on the fact that this is Wonder Kid Danny, who's yeah. who's got this brainchild, etc. And then it turns out that it's not him at all. It's actually John Connor. Yeah. yeah. Danny's being manipulated by John Connor. So, yeah, I mean, we all know it's John Connor. He's come from the future. He's a Terminator because it was in the trailer. Well done there, guys. I would yeah, say, like, shocking. they ruined it. Technically, they ruined T2 by showing you this time he's back for good and going, oh, he's and good that this film time. still survives. But that yeah. film not just survives, it's absolutely fucking <laughs> phenomenal. And actually, people went to go and see, oh, this is actually Arnold playing the how's he a good Terminator. It actually intrigued people, whereas in this yeah. case especially given Salvation didn't have the first ending it was going to have, yeah. which does actually lead on to this as well, but that that didn't happen. So, yeah, it's just bananas. One thing that was oddly gratifying about well, it was that, that. Um, uh, it was, it's 2017, which means it's only two years shy of when Salvation's actually set. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it, it was kind of nice to go, yeah, Salvation definitely didn't happen now. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah the uh, so this is when it starts to suck uh, like balls hard because the the rest of the like from this point onwards in the film I was going oh this is going on a bit oh I can't wait for this to be over and I thought oh I can't think I can't wait for this to be over like an hour before it ends <laughs> and then it was just torturous just going on and on and on an action sequence after action sequence after jumping and trucks and blah 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 so yeah what happens here is. Um, <laughs> Kyle and Sarah get arrested again. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, 
K.K. Simmons turns up, having who was actually one of the cops in the clothes shop from 1984, and is now like, yeah. "Oh, you're a time traveler! I knew it." Which <laughs> who must be said, neither of them look anywhere near alike. You, you I remember when J.K. Simmons came on and said he was that cop, and went, hmm? "No, yeah, that, yeah, that." I'm sure that cop would not have turned into. Looking well, like he, you he when had you're older. Sort of reddish hair is, is <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like it. there's a most tenuous linkage between the two of you here, and I'm not entirely convinced by it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they're, they're been arrested by the cops, and and the cops can't wait to turn them over to the feds. Yeah, and they're talking to you're the doctors. Kind of wondering and... who's going to turn up as the feds, and and hmm. wondering when the Terminator comes in, and then well, that's in theory what should have happened, and then John Connor walks through the door. Yeah. Um, and you're supposed to be all students. surprised about the fact, but yeah, we've seen the trailer. So even Alan Taylor really, was pissed yeah. off that they revealed yeah. that in the trailer, though. Yeah. Um, so uh, before that, there's a bit where um, the doctor's boasting to Sarah, and he, he goes, "Yeah, it's, this Genesis is going to be awesome. It's going to, you know, collect, connect my phone to my tablet, to my car, to my computer." And like Sarah is from an analog world. She goes, "Your phone? And what's a tablet?" Yeah. Yeah. But she totally takes 2017 on the chin. She's like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, totally, that's 2017. I am not weirded out by this in the least. There is no time for me to feel time displaced. Uh, n- nice touch that the cops can't work out why there's no digital records of either of them. Mm. Or there isn't for Sarah, there is for Kyle, yeah, but yeah, should yeah. be a nine-year-old boy. Yeah. Um, just nice nods to the fact that that's clearly going to be the case. They're going to look up records and there are no records. And why are there no mm. records? Because that doesn't happen. Yeah. So... So, uh, yeah, John shows up, says, you've got to come with me. Uh, and then uh, they come with him. Sarah goes sort of, oh, my God, you were John? And he goes, oh, it's so great to see you, Mother. And then the um, the uh, Uncle Bob, sorry, no, Pops turns Pops. up, yep. shoots him in the chest. Sarah goes, why did you do that? He grabs Kyle by the neck and is, like, strangling him. Why did you do that? Why did you do that? He's like... Hold on, wait, wait. The audience still think he's dead. I've got to hold this tension. It's just like that bit in T3 when he basically desecrates Sarah Connor's grave and John's, why did you do this? Like, no, wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. I'm not going to tell you yeah, why I'm not going to just say I the, reveal it. Like four words that will stop you mm, worrying. Yeah, exactly. Which is, he is a Terminator. <laughs> yeah. There If he had not have shown that in the trailer, it would have at least been a little bit, or maybe for, or just for a few John seconds. Connor. Just for a tiny few seconds, you would have gone, why has he done that? At which point you'd be really thinking, gone, what, why is he here? What yeah. happened yeah. to him when we saw him attacked? Yeah. Um, yeah. He's, you know, and, and then, yeah, Arnie shows up and shoots him. It wouldn't and, even have been difficult to withhold his presence in this section of the film because he keeps shifting into metal so many times people would just have assumed he was the T-1000. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a bizarre choice to ruin that moment yeah. in, the, in the trailer. But as it's, it's kind of made me think, you know what, I don't want to watch trailers anymore. Good. It's happening more and more and more, they are. The people that do the trailers are not necessarily involved with actual oh, making of the film. No, it's a PR that's yeah. problem. No, no, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Hence Alan Taylor's pissed off. To market it, yeah. yeah but they, that actually doesn't hurt the box office most of the time. They, yeah. um, no. uh, most of the time they tell you everything that's going to happen in the trailer and then the film does really, really well. Yeah. It's like people want to go and see something that they can basically predict from beginning to end. But can you, you're, we, we all remember, presumably, the Matrix trailers and the marketing for that, mm-hmm. which the whole thing is, what is the Matrix? Yes. Can we imagine that being a series of a, a marketing campaign for a film nowadays? No. They actually have the restraint to do that anymore. You want to know I don't think what so. it is. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, when you find out in the Matrix, it blows your mind. 
Yeah. I think if you've I got the act, if you've got the pedigree as a director to be able to control that sort of thing, yeah. it helps. Yeah, Alan Taylor there's no way a James Cameron Terminator Genesis well a exists, but b goes out without him being in control of what the marketing does because. I just don't see it happening. I really don't. Speaking of fantastic narration, at the beginning, uh, it's basically it's the Sarah Connor uh, narration of Four Billion Lives Were Ended on August 5th, 1997. And it's Jai Courtney going, mumble, 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 future war, blah, 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 schmackety, mackety. Yeah, just going on and on and on and on and on. So by the time he even, uh, before we've even seen his adult face, we're bored of and hate him. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. So they go to Sarah's other bunker. Oh yeah, I forgot. Um, John stands up and goes, "I am this. I am Skynet, mother. Hello." And it's basically remember, like Sharon and I, we've been talking about like you know the idea of um, synthesis and the idea of John being the the conduit between man and machine, and that maybe if that actually happened, there'd be a supreme being created that could basically see both sides of it. It's completely different. It's it, it's just Skynet. It's just Skynet having taken the form of John Connor. That's not even Connor at all. It's well, stolen his by, body. By this point, um, they've replaced all of his cells with nanobots, uh, yeah. basically. Yeah, so it's it's uh, it's so, not John Connor. It's just Skynet. John Connor's dead. But, Everything that was Connor is dead. Some um, of his memories might be accessible, yeah. but that doesn't actually play in. That, that's the thing. If it doesn't play into his the way he's finally dispatched or his final decisions, then it doesn't make any difference. Basically, John Connors turned into those little tiny little metal filings that you used to pick up with magnets when you were younger and thought, oh, that's really good. Magnets, they're just now all over his body. Yeah, and they deal with him with a magnet, at least <laughs> once. That's basically it. Uh, well, techni- yeah, technically twice. Um, but so I like the idea of this. I like th- seeing the three of them together because we've never seen that in the films before. I think that's an interesting seem to want to set up a except situation that's not actually John but yes. except that it's not actually John but hypothetically if we believe that what Skynet did was attack him and turn him into and, and try to humanize a robot basically or mm. or robotize a human if you like well um, their previous experiments failed because the robot went mad <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, think, I picture Crichton's sparehead number three <laughs> I like the idea of having the three of them together and the fact that they're all the wrong age if you like they're, yeah. they're, they sh- they're completely backwards in terms of how old they should be versus one another etc yeah. um, and I like the idea that Skynet is trying something different than just sending back ye olde Terminator every time because mm. clearly that's not working. So Skynet is learning and and that implies an awareness that oh I've sent back this Terminator nothing's changed. I'm going to keep send, trying to send back different things and mm. different... It's part of what I do like about Salvation, aside from its many, many problems is that by having Skynet try different things it implies that it's learning a about what it is and what these machines are and how they how they and humanity stand side by side. And yeah, what this should be, and it kind of tries to be a little bit when John's first talking to them and then starts trying to explain what his mission is, what it should be is, okay, Skynet has decided if John Connor's so important, why shouldn't he be a bridge between humanity and the machines? The problem is, how do you buy that when Skynet's been trying to wipe out humanity for, you know, since 1984, literally since 1984? That's uh, why you would. The best way you could have done that is to try and put John Connor's love for his mother 
against yes. the robotics of his attempted programming. And actually that try and show some what conflict, future he... Basically. But, but yeah. well, not even necessarily conflict. Show that he has resolved a way that he can have both things. That Skynet can continue, humanity can continue, and he gets to see his mother again. Mm. But that's never an intention, seemingly. Or it is for about 10 seconds until they say no, at which point he decides, right, I'm just going to carry on. Nah, he's just the physical embodiment of uh, Skynet. He may as well have been Matt Smith, who transmorphed into John uh, Connor. Yeah. It's the same thing. Um, uh, interestingly, uh, in the IMDb synopsis, mm-hmm. uh, written by someone who doesn't know how to write up a synopsis, let alone yeah, type yeah, in English, yeah. but th- I don't know where they got this information from. They refer to John Connor as a T-3000 and, and uh, Matt Smith as a T-5000. I don't right. know where they got that num- those numbers from, but it implies a T-4000 and a T-2000 that we don't know exist. Um, but also kind of steps on the numbering system, given that T eight hundred to T a thousand, you know, implies iterations between etc. And, and oh, in hundreds rather than in thousands. But then, yeah, there, there's nothing that isn't around thousand beyond T one, you know, uh, from T one thousand onwards. Which is like, why, why bother with the numbering system then? Well, and and don't get me started on how Terminator just... three ruins the numbering system by having a bunch of the same robots all numbered differently. <laughs> Next year's model will be made labelled by Microsoft and will just be called the T1. <laughs> We're going to skip nine and go straight to Terminator 10. Yes. Um, there's not actually been a T2. It <laughs> needs to have a T2. <laughs> anyway, oh, this is so bo- it's so languorous at this point. It just uh, so they go to a, a bomb shelter get some more guns. And then they go in a John bus. John picks himself go, up from the MRI and oh, uh, about that, himself yeah. down and goes off to see how Genesis is coming along yeah. and reveals that. Uh, <laughs> Genesis is embodied, by the way, as a creepy child and the world is thrilled. Thrilled, not, this child. Not, not as you might think, by Phil Collins. Yeah. It's just oh, an nice. embodiment <laughs> of disaster. Dude, are you going to pick up a Genesis <laughs> by Sega? <laughs> what was the name of the, uh, the kid in the Kinect game? Uh, Milo. There you go. Yeah, that's, my that's because what this is, and apparently the world is falling over themselves to enjoy this half-rendered kid in a hologram. May I introduce you to the internet? May I introduce you to Twitter and their scorn that they would pour on this shit? <laughs> it's way too... Oh, everything's connected. That's everyone's great. desperate for Genesis to arrive because, yeah, it's just... Why is everyone desperate? It's a product from a company. That's yeah. what the marketing will tell us people think, but why are we actually being shown that that's what people think? That's bizarre? the thing, though, because this is still preoccupied with the only important people in the world are the Connors and Kyle Weiss, by extension, this Connor family. Everyone else is stupid. Everyone else is a fool. The entire world's going to go to shit. Only John Connor can mobilize people again. These are the most important people in history, and no one will ever come close to being this important, according to this fucking backward-ass constant revival of this timeline. So, um, so yeah, at this point we are shown um, that underneath the uh, Cyberdyne headquarters, they also have... still Cyberdyne, isn't it? Um, yeah, I will say I think, yes. I think they refer to it as Cyberdyne. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Sorry, it's been a week since I saw uh, this. <laughs> I'm already forgetting it. It is that forgettable. <laughs> um, but we see that he also has a time displacement device that yeah. he's been building as well. It's the same set. <laughs> it's the, it is literally the same set, yeah. Um, 
I don't see think we see the vats of polymimetic alloy at this point. But oh no, we do. Oh no, actually, that, that happens a bit later. So it's possible, Sharon. These are two unfired guns. Look out for if, if they're possibly fired later on. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Do you think this time displacement machine is going to come in handy? Mm. <laughs> sort of eh, sort of kind of anyway so yeah John Connor pursues them in the bus the bus flips over hangs over the thing and that Jurassic Park the Lost World bit happens where the bus falls around them and into the thing and John like they felt like uh, they uh, the T uh, Uncle Bob uh, pops, pops pulls yeah. up some magnets out of a, a a thing and like uses it as like a knuckle duster and that will stop the John Connor yeah, the idea Terminator. is it disrupts his yeah. magnetic field that's holding all the nanobots together. Honestly, yeah. so basically if the humans had come... You never notice the humans fighting with enormous electromagnets, do you? In in this future war. If that's all it takes... Anyway. Yeah, you would think. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that they... Um, God, I can't remember... I, I, yeah, they get arrested it's again. all action at this point. They get arrested again? They get arrested again, and that's when they're in the uh, when, interview rooms. When they set. got arrested on the highway, even the stupid kid behind me piped up, that's not illegal, is it? Just turning up naked on a highway? Uh, public indecency. Well, it's indecent exposure. Uh, yeah, public indecency. Do you need a police riot van for that? Yeah, the, the response You could is... put that in a single squad car, for God's sake. It is in America. They're not. They're not too hip on the whole nakedness in that country. Remember, they're naked white people. Well, still. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, they're arrested again, and at this point, they have brought in Kyle Reese Jr. and his family uh, just to see if they recognise older Kyle Reese. Basically, is the pretense under which they've got him there. Yeah, he appears to have his identity. Would I mean? It sort of like makes sense. I, I guess they would get him. I'm not sure. Well, this is. Would... I mean, to be fair, this is all to do with J.K. Simmons' character. He's trying there, to prove, somehow yeah. of sitting there going, "I've got lots of pictures of these people. I don't know where from, but you all look the same in different periods of time." Mm. Yeah. So I'm going to bring in Kyle Reese's parents and young Kyle Reese, who's going to look at the older Kyle one. Yeah. And obviously, at that point, doesn't realize that. Oh, is that what I turn into? Oh. And his mum turns to his dad and says, "He looks, or is it Kyle himself turns Kyle, to his dad and says, says, he looks a bit like you. No, really? no, he doesn't at all. Well, he's he's an like actor a that looks a bit ape. like Jay Courtney. It's just like, no, he doesn't at all. Don't. And ironically, Jay Courtney's the most generic looking bloke in the world. You could literally go into the street and point and you'd be pointing yeah. at Jay Courtney. There are five of him. Get one of them and slap a beard on him. You're done. And that's when actually just get Jai Courtney to play his dad and put a beard on him, make up yep. his face to make him look a bit different, change Agreed. his nose a little bit, or whatever. But there's enough of him there. I mean, he couldn't act that. He couldn't do that. So, <laughs> Sorry, I apologise. That's ludicrous. This is one of those times that the kind of token character who has no lines from a different country suddenly turns actually to have some mild point by being basically John Connor in disguise. Yeah. And that's, I, I felt a bit weird because she, she is basically there for no other reason than just for this one section and that's it. Yes, yeah, so an Asian lady turns up, then shoots everyone in the head and it's John Connor. 
She's uh, one of the pair of detectives, and she she is the one who points out that they don't have any backgrounds and records when they're first arrested. So it makes yeah. sense that she's there. But yeah, it seems like she's on. She's just been building up to this moment, which is apologies. I said John Connor there. The John Connor shaped Skynet mobile. <laughs> yes, T three thousand, if we want to call it that. Although I don't know that that's correct, so we yeah. probably shouldn't. But basically, the T three thousand has been sent back in time by Skynet to ensure that Skynet exists. In this new form in the cloud. Yeah, yeah. he's been sent back to go and build Skynet, presumably at a point that Skynet has calculated is sufficiently early yeah. for, for for it to be fully operational by 2029 and uh, winning the war. So, uh. so he's effectively um, doing what they did with Kyle. Kyle is sent back to make sure that John exists. Yeah. John is sent back to make sure Skynet exists. Yep. Yeah. He's yeah. building himself. Yeah. He's, he's uh, yeah, he's sent it's back. He's essentially itself. a Skynet seed. Um, yeah, just to to, to create that. But I mean, we've already handled this in Terminator. Sarah Connor Chronicles come in. I think this will be by release date. That will be next week, folks. But uh, yeah, basically, they they already kind of handled elements of this, but in a much more progressive and interesting way in that show. But it's, at least these guys seem to have watched at least a few episodes of that. Yeah. That, that's what that show does best of all is the ideas and the way it plays with the notion of what a Terminator series could be mm-hmm. it just feels very fresh compared to T3 onwards in the yeah. films, very very fresh in ways that these never can hope to yeah. any ideas they have get squashed underneath incompetence so, so anyway um uh, Pops turns up, rescues them again. Like the two times they were arrested are munging into each other now. For me, they only got away for it to have a, a, a bus chase. Yeah, Frankly, the only difference this time is been Pops, taken get, out. Pops gets arrested as well, which is set up simply so that we can see him break a pair of handcuffs and oh, yeah, stare yeah. at someone through a one-way uh, mirror. Yeah, and <laughs> God, that, let's that, all thank Arnold for showing up. Which is, I, I mean, that calls back to Man of Steel, which is not a film you really want to be. Called. Back to either, but, um, what do we think of Man of Steel in this one? Arnold Schwarzenegger himself, old, old, old Arnold Schwarzenegger. I actually thought he was okay. I mean, the first thing, at least, they try and explain the fact that he looks old. They don't just kind of go, no, he's the same Terminator, despite the fact he's got lots of craggy skin. Mm. They turn around and say, and no, because to. his skin ages, because that's the way he was built, like everyone else, he's going to look a bit older. And that was fine. And, and, and that makes sense from an infiltration point of view. If it's a yeah. long-term infiltration, it makes sense from a biological point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes yeah, perfect sense. They didn't, they didn't just gloss over it. Like I think the problem that T3, T3 had, one of the main big problems it had for me, was just that they never really acknowledged the fact that, no, he's old now. He's a lot older. He doesn't look the same. And you're trying to pretend that he is the same. Um, and I just thought it was... It kind of felt like... So the old Terminator, weary Terminator, is kind of going, yeah, I'm doing my stuff, I know what I'm doing. He very pointedly says, old, not obsolete, several times. Yeah, multiple times to the point. It's like, I don't know if they wanted the audience to be finishing that line. They had the other characters finish that line. It was just, yeah, come on. Yeah. It could have been worse, uh, certainly. He knows how how to play this character. He knows how to play... play a T-800, um, and in this case, he's supposed to have learnt more than uh, Uncle Bob did, <laughs> and he's supposed to be getting to the point where functionally, if not actually internally, emotionally, he is behaving like a father to Sarah, and I think 
you, I mean, there are a couple of points where you see him glancing at her in a way that it's like, well, clearly this implicit emotion or something functionally akin to it. Uh, well, there, there was, so. I mean, there was a very nice section where there was at least some form of suggestion that he'd been drawing pictures and keeping photographs of Sarah while. Yes, I think she drew the crayon pictures, but but he kept but he kept them, yeah. indicating yeah. he has some attachment more than just because in theory a Terminator wouldn't have any attachment to something that Sarah created, only to her. But he yeah. does have attachment to things that remind him of her. So that was another nice moment. They that tends to be when they're at the barracks, although uh, they don't achieve all that much the quieter moments are the better moments yeah. of this film the big loud moments many, are yeah. totally rubbish when we well, came out of this film we, our reaction was that was just one long ostensibly tense action scene and at, there are a couple of quieter moments and those are the far better moments mm. Um, despite my cynical sounding uh, line of questioning just now, I did actually quite enjoy seeing uh, Arnie up on the screen. Um, And uh, he he wasn't brilliant, but it's a far cry from his performance in T3, which just seemed like he was turning up to collect a paycheck and shit on the series that made him a god. And obviously salvation. It was just his likeness was allowed to be used because he was a a governor at that point. I mean, from this point on, after the police station is when you decide to go on the big assault on mm. Cyberdyne. And it is basically just a big, massive ac- action sequence at this point. It doesn't yeah, really so, stop yeah. until the end of the film. They get into helicopters on the roof. J.K. Simmons goes, says goodbye, and then they uh, fly, and then he jumps out and says, I'll be back, and smashes into John Connor's, helico- John Connor's shaped Skynet's helicopter. They get underneath Cyberdyne, which is completely empty, I might add. Like... Three minutes to magic time, and there's no one in the building. Yeah, that way, makes uh, well, sense. Well, it, it? it drops from uh, it's like 13 hours to 15 minutes when they walk in the door. John seems to engineer that when he walks in the yeah. door. I think. Oh, that because I was thinking, wasn't there 13 hours? Christ, yeah, why, that's gonna... why would it be middle of the of the night? Yeah, they want it. Yeah, in it, terms of. The America, reason they want it daytime. You know? The reason that I uh, I went, oh god, thirteen hours. I was like, oh god, thirteen hours. That's so <laughs> yeah. so long. There's gonna be so much more of this movie. But no, the the first quote unquote evolution of yeah. Genesis uh, is when he walks in the building, and presumably that's not an act because the the implication is the the evolution is happening organically as it learns. Yes. It learns faster and faster and grows older faster and faster. Mm. Um, well, the, the first the first sort of jump in age uh, happens when John Connor goes into the building yeah. or rather the T3000 John Skynet call him John yeah. Skynet because that's who he is um, um, and and speeds up the process yeah and then gloats and then gets a pole through him and um, so they run around the place trying to set charges so they can blow this computer factory up and get uh, the rest of other cops you total loser yeah. um, and, and th- that set where they're they're placing all the charges to me clearly meant to evoke uh, the Cyberdyne. The end of T2. T2. And yeah. specifically the uh, yeah, Cyberdyne and the um, sort of and a combination the, of Cyberdyne. The metal and factory. The steel mill, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there uh, are walkways and, and can see one another in different levels, etc. Yeah. Yeah. So they're running around the place and uh, Cyber- Skynet keeps like sending up holograms to gloat at them about, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to fucking totally How many totally cameras have they put in this place? I, one room in particular where they're literally shooting down camera, turn around, he's there again, shoot down a camera, yeah. turn around, he's there. It's Why like a hologram have they got all these hologram projectors? Skynet built them out of the Biddly Bong? I don't know. They must have like a dozen in one particular room that they're in. Yeah. Why? 
So anyway, John Connor gets into a big fucking fight with the uh, with uh, Pops. 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 And um, there's there's a nice moment where uh, Pops says, you know, uh, John John Skynet says, "You can't beat me." And then Pops says something along the lines of, "I can't remember exactly." Yes, we can. We'll beat you together. And then Kyle turns up and starts smacking around John Skynet in the face with the Terminator's severed arm, doing that thing he does with the pipe in the original Terminator. Sarah turns up. Guess what she does, Sharon? She's got a shotgun. Um, does she do the one-handed pump thing? Rack, rack, boom, rack, rack, boom, yeah. So she's doing her signature thing, and Arnold does his signature thing, which is to put his fist right up John Skynet's jacksie. He he is wearing him like a meat sock on his... <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's basically right. Now we've got to get into the time displacement thing, which will displace our various molecules. And because Sarah's, it's metal. Because it's metal. And Sarah starts freaking the fuck out. She's like, no, 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 you're my father. Blah, 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 blah. Although, oddly, not for too long. Not for too long. <laughs> uh, and she, I think she went for, uh, like, a little... <sighs> It's a little too over the top because basically, like she, she would be a bit more steely than this. But at the same time, like she's got to do something with this yeah. material, folks. So yeah, it's, Amelia. It's a bit Clark. too over the top. Yeah, and that's what makes it feel ridiculous that she's okay with it suddenly. Yeah, a couple and, of seconds. But later. he's like, you know, I, w- I will hold him, and that they're basically then they run behind a thing, and then the bombs start to explode, and then they pull themselves into the very conveniently placed bomb shelter directly beneath Cyberdyne, <laughs> and um which happens to be placed exactly 10 seconds run away from the 10 second about to explode bomb. <clears throat> yeah. uh, and the doors like go down the hall covered in fire, just like in the matrix, but the matrix was aping T2 anyway. So, you know, here we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the Terminator gets sort of like, you know, like disassembled and then falls into the vat of mimetic poly alloy. And then his um, skull sort of goes under the, uh, um, the the metal and over the sound of this explosion, the kid behind me was going. I think he's going to get covered in metal. I think he's not dead. I think he's he's shouting as loud as he can to be heard over the explosions, just so that he can shout to the uh, the cinema. And like I, I, just before he did that, I think there was a funny joke or oh, a smile or something, and his dad went like that. And then there's this sort of like big epic music. Da dun dun da da da. Calm, and the entire cinema was deathly quiet, and all you heard was <laughs> as the guy next to me added his ten cents to the fucking soundscape. He didn't and pay I thought, for a ticket. You realise he was paid by the cinema to go in and add the extra just soundscape. belch. Yeah, just this bilious motherfucker <laughs> just sat there burping away. And there were times actually when I noticed the girl on my right kept glancing to the left, and I was just like keeping my head back, like, "No, it's not me." Yeah. <laughs> Just it's this pointing next here. <laughs> just um 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 so anyway yeah they, they climb out of the wreckage uh they don't climb out of the wreckage they're like oh my god we're gonna suffocate in here and then suddenly a t-1000 spike goes straight through the door it's like oh my god the t-1000's here and sharon yes what do you think happens as the do door gets the open uh, it's well it's obviously not a bad t-1000 have they reprogrammed it or is it just arnie it's just army and it's all healed again and there's been been upgrades this is where my second weird bit comes in and on the assumption that this destroys Skynet and therefore Skynet never creates Terminators Mm -hmm. Arnie should cease to exist that's a paradox here's the thing and uh, when a time 
this is the Marvel Comics rules from 1992. I sent, I sent this to you. It's the same rules, basically. Yeah. When you go back in time, you're not actually going back to your timeline. You're going back to a parallel oh, timeline that immediately time. skews off. The moment you're mm. there, because you're affecting changes. So you're never going to be able to go forwards again to that timeline. You are now isolated from your uh, existing timeline. You're now in universe B. If there's another temporal event, you're creating another skewed paradox world. Well, so basically, yeah, kind of, kind of this is a way of the universe ensuring that it, a paradox can't be created, which means that at one point John actually says, I could kill you. It doesn't matter. There is no fate to Sarah. Basically, he can kill his mother and it doesn't matter because his because that's birth- not his mother in this timeline. universe. Yeah, so this they timeline. seem to sort of understand that, which was kind of oddly yeah. reassuring. Because the guys from T3 don't understand. Don't understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely not. Um, but yeah, Derek, um, you stayed for the post credit scene, presumably. Um, I, I kind of vaguely think I did, but I, those bits of this film I was really trying to forget at this point. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, <laughs> the trio travels to Kyle's childhood home, where Kyle yeah. tells his younger self about Genesis and instructs him to repeat a warning to Amira, a critical insurance that the events leading to their arrival in 2017. Except for the fact that they're now in this other timeline, so it doesn't matter. So basically, like, if John could have killed Sarah, it, he doesn't have to do it to this yeah. Kyle. Sarah, Kyle, and the Guardian drive off into the country. A mini credit, mid-credit scene reveals that the system core of Genesis was located in a protected subterranean chamber and has survived the explosion. Yeah. So the protector survives. Sarah survives. Yep. Kyle survives. John dies, which is a bit of a shake-up. Yeah. Well, that John, John dies, but... Kyle and Sarah are still alive, so yeah. they could have another son. They could have called it John well Dyson. Called John and et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> I was just thinking that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not it's John Skynet, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, the, the point is that even if Skynet not existing would have stopped Arnie becoming a T-1000 and, and breaking them out, Surely he's a T eight hundred, or a or a T nine hundred, depending on whether it's additive or average. <laughs> I, I guess he's technically got that chip floating around in him. So if someone's able to hit that, he'd still die. Whereas the T one thousands seem to have a uh, floating multi point computational core. You never, there's never any suggestion they have actually a processor in there. Uh, anyway, um, but yeah, so. That basically makes him like the TX then, doesn't it? You know, mimetic polyalloy covering an, an endoskeleton. I don't think the endoskeleton's under there. I think the the chip came out and he is now pure poly... Oh, uh, seriously? That, that's my understanding because uh, when they glance at the vat of polymimetic alloy when they first go in and Kyle asks if that's safe, uh, Arnie's response is, yeah, it's dormant, it needs a... Um, it needs a CPU putting in there, basically, is what mm. he says. Oh, um, actually, we missed one quite good bit. Go all the way back, Sharon, to when they uh, the T-1000, played by uh, uh, Lee Byung-Hung, who didn't really get that much credit because he actually d- does work quite well as a stalking Good presence. job as a T-1000. Yeah, he, 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 he calls to mind Robert Patrick. Um, oh, okay. They're about to destroy the chassis of the Terminator that Sarah blew a fucking hole in. And he walks past it and dribbles a bit in its ear, which basically somehow restores it to life. And then Kyle has to fight um, the T-800 chassis of the original term. And, and that's because that CPU is still intact. Yeah. And when the polymetic alloy hits it, it 
gains sentience of its own. Mm. And heals. Un- unlike in Terminator 3, when she in- injects in that all too awfully sexual way, apparently like nanobots or something, I assume, which is why she can control the cars. Yeah. Who knows? Oh, that's yeah. garbage anyway. But yeah, mm-hmm. the idea is that as soon as polymimetic alloy hits a T800 CPU, mm. uh, well, you can understand CPU, Skynet tech working with it, itself. You just yes. it, yeah, yeah. it's it's the um, whole like going back to a very analog time and trying to put super digital stuff yeah. into it. You know, which um, plus duck face, which actually <laughs> implies that a T1000 in the polymimetic alloy is kind of designed to be able to raise an army of Terminators around it. Mm. Put one of them on a battlefield with a bunch of T-800s or, well, it's not T- it's T-101, sorry. Um, we knew and, it. And it, it could constantly re, uh, reanimate them, um, which would be interesting. Um, so, yeah, I, my assumption is that the polymimetic alloy, either just by contacting the chip, takes on its computational power into its own nanobots or whatever it's made up of. I mean, that's what Arnie says. Particles. Or it actually pulls the chip out and has that somewhere in its body as yeah. its computational core. But my understanding is he is now pure polymimetic alloy without an exo- uh, endoskeleton underneath. It does kind of see new and improved when he kind of breaks yeah. the door open at that point. So he's obviously aware that whatever yeah. he's got has not done anything bad to him in any particular way. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's increased him. I say maybe T1800. My my guess is the reason they still go to Kyle to tell him is um, one of two things. Either they don't understand that they've branched off into a separate timeline. Yeah. Or they still believe that because... They sow the seeds for the future. Because Kyle in his timeline was able to see yeah. across a timeline. And if he hadn't seen across the timeline Kyle Jr. saying all this stuff into the mirror... He wouldn't have known, so there's there's potentially still a need for. Well, I don't know. But what if they don't do that? Will that create a major paradox? Well, th- this is it. That's never know, been the case in Terminator. Yeah. Paradoxes have never been a, a, a warning. And unfortunately, since they're doing Back to the Future Two rules here, that seems to be kind of what they're doing. Yeah. So uh, my my assumption, therefore, is that it's implied that the characters believe that needs to be done, and they're just literally shoring up to make sure that nothing is going to undo this timeline they want to to um basically just ensure that this timeline is kind of secure um is is the way i thought of it 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 doesn't make a great deal of sense and it leads to another one of those awkward conversations where kyle and kyle jr look at one another and basically go huh it's just yeah rotten but uh, but yeah, so they basically tell Kyle Jr. to make sure that he says this message into a mirror over and over again so he's embedding it in his own memory so that Kyle, when he's older, can see that. Mm. Um, but. To prevent a major paradox. I have my ranked list here of best Sarah's, John's, Carl's, and T-800s, by the <laughs> way. Uh, Sarah, best Linda Hamilton in oh, uh, T-2 yes. and T-1, obvious. Well, not necessarily, because... Number two, Lena Headey is really yeah, fucking good awesome. Job. Good point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then third is uh, uh, Amelia Clark, who doesn't do a bad job like, compared to a lot of ones on this list. You know, she, the, she does look good standing yeah. next to Jai Courtney in that respect, though. I think basically there is no bad Sarah Connor. Yeah. Um, 
Then John, uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles beats Eddie Furlong simply because he's got so much more to do and his development over the uh, two seasons is phenomenal. Uh, then Eddie Furlong in T2. Then um, I suppose Clark in there. What's his name? Jason Clark. Jason. No, no relation uh, in this. I haven't really talked about him much. He's such a boring actor. I mean, he's great in... I can in, see why they chose him for the way he looks because he does yeah. almost have that little bit of not to the extreme Robert Patrick or um, Lance Hendrickson do um, that made them obvious choices for Terminators. But he does have a bit of that look to him where you can kind of see that he could play either a quote-unquote good guy or bad mm. guy. So, it But he just gloats. Like as yeah, soon as he's ter- John Terminator or jo- John Skynet, he just gloats the whole time. He's boring. We've had Ultron this year. I loved Ultron. He was fantastic. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm reading like bad reviews now of uh, Age of Ultron. Like seriously, the people who really, really didn't like this considered it a bomb, considered it a flop, considered it a huge disappointment. Seriously? Not compared to this. People um, like yeah. the neat stuff. That's a problem. Yeah. I guess the difference is expectations are much higher for that. I so, suppose so. Well, I, I, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, so I was just going to say, technically, is a worse Sarah, the worst Sarah by a long shot, the one in T3 who is dead? Yeah. I mean, the technically. Of guns. <laughs> that, that's the worst Sarah yeah. Connor. Um, the, the, probably the, a bit stiff. Is that what you're seeing? <laughs> Further down the John Highway is Salvation, shouty, angry, furious John Connor. And then dead last is Nick Stahl's dim-witted Wim- John Connor. Whimpering, useless, how are you the saviour of anything? He can't tie your shoelaces. Yes. I'm not sure he could save a game of Terminator 3 Words of the Machines on PlayStation 2 <laughs> if I showed him how to do it in the options menu. Yeah. No, <clears throat> not John Connor. Yep, Newt John Connor. Um... Kyle Reese, T1, T2 in the uh, extended edition. Uh, Salvation, because I really did like Anton Yelchin. We didn't really talk about him that much in the, in the uh, Salvation episode, but like, of everyone in that movie, he was the only vaguely magnetic one. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a likable actor, and whatever he's in, he's interesting. Adds a bit of levity, even though in, in that film there's no cause for levity. You just feel brighter when he's on the screen is the only yeah. way I can describe it. He had something to... And, yeah. and he seems more like Michael Bean than uh, Jai Courtney. Yeah, you can believe he has that kind of hopeful aspect yeah. beaten out of him over over the coming decade, I guess. Yeah, uh, but Jai Courtney is absolute rubbish. However, Jai Courtney is quite as bad because he gets one or two good bits. As there is a Kyle Reese who turns up in the Sarah Connor Chronicles. That's not a uh, major spoiler, but he turns up some places. But it's not going to spoil it because when he does turn up, you're like, oh, he's a bit rubbish. Yeah, it turns out he spoiled it all for himself. Yeah, it's, it's, um, a, it's a really crap performance. Yeah. He's just this sort of like, hey, it's up, Carl Reese, how's it going? And that seems to be the guy that uh, Mike, that Jai Courtney has been studying to uh, to play Kyle Reese. <laughs> yeah, in that there's just this sense of Sarah Connor in that show or, or Linda Hamilton variant mm. would just look at this guy and what? And go, nope. You're not going to turn into anything remotely close to the person I fell in love with. Uh, and then T- T-800's T2 at number one. T1 as a very distinctly different Terminator yeah, definitely, yeah. at number two, yeah. but also an incredible on-screen presence. Um, this guy uh, pops at number three. Not too yeah, bad. Yeah. Yeah, Considering what he's up against, though, not too bad. <laughs> um, it, felt like I can, it felt like a Terminator who had been around the block a little bit. Yeah. The, the, all the mannerisms that he's been doing 
for the T1 and T2 felt as if they were there just a little I kind of like the fact he was also a little bit broken sometimes yeah that well. bit when his hand wouldn't work properly he was like banging yeah. it on the table and, and I love the fact that that coincides with moments in the in the kind of bunker area yeah. um, where he looks over to Sarah and you can see it's actually he's looking because he's worried that he's not going to be able to finish his mission I would have loved to see the fact that this robot can this uh cybernetic organism sorry uh, can in fact feel anxiety or something approaching that yeah. about his own approaching obsolescence which yeah. he yeah. swears isn't there um, he is followed by the uh, automaton in Terminator Salvation that never said anything but basically it's just a su- CGI Arnold Schwarzenegger just didn't it, need to be him though that's the thing that got me about that why yeah. wasn't that just a T-101 because they can't let it go yeah and they wanted to see if they could as well they were like look Arnold we don't necessarily need you for the next one it turned out to be honest they couldn't (laughs) yeah and it's a weird thing with Terminator in that a lot of people seem to get quite kind of caught up on the fact well it's not got Schwarzenegger in it and he's the Terminator when we should really be past that by now but somehow Mad Max managed to get it done yeah Yeah. (laughs) no sign of Mel Gibson and the film is that much better for it Oh, can you imagine if they shoehorned him in some there? That would yeah. be so awkward. So Furiosa's like, you know, move over. And he goes, did I say anything to you, sugar tits? And uh, there is one dead last, again, the not Terminator in Terminator 3. The joke of a Terminator. Yeah. Dead last, same as with that John Connor. And, uh, yeah. That's, that's, that's basically the Terminator series. So, what can you conclude that that this film, like where this sort of ranks in the general lexicon, Sharon, from what we've been saying? Okay, well, clearly it doesn't achieve the um, ridiculous depths of Terminator 3. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems to have in just enough, oh, that's an interesting idea to save it from the terminal boredom that is Terminator Salvation. Mm-hmm. So, it's, it's nicer to look at than Terminator Salvation. So when you're bored, you're at least looking at sort of you know, well-captured buses crashing. Right. Okay. Um, so I would say this probably ranks in if we discount the TV series and just look at the films. I'd. Why say would this... you discount the TV series? It's the best thing ever. <laughs> exactly. The, the um, TV series sits as a nice barrier between good and bad Terminator films. Yeah. I think. That's, to be honest. Yeah. That's T2 a good at point. the at the top or T1 mm-hmm. if you prefer it and then mm-hmm. and, and, and T1 or T2 then Sarah Connor Chronicles this is just for me obviously and a whole big drop off an enormous drop off huge and the very bottom there you got um, Genesis and then below that you've got Salvation and then below that at the very bottom below the 50 feet of crap below the bedrock is Terminator 3 just appalling stuff I think the, yeah. the problem with with Terminator 3 is abominable. There's no two ways about it. Terminator Salvation, the biggest problem with it is it lifts right out. It's not important. Especially now. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just it doesn't do anything important. The, the one sort of bit of conviction they had um, was the ending that never happened because it got spoiled, so they changed it. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, that, that would have been an interesting, and that's part of one of the good things I put down about this film, is the notion that Skynet is somehow learning and it's instead of sending out a Terminator that's just going to do that stock the 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 um, target, um, it sends out a, a hybrid human Terminator who doesn't know what its mission is. That's an interesting prospect. 
potentially. It's not in Terminator Salvation. It doesn't work out, but the, the theory is, is solid. Um, and then this time, the notion of, okay, the humans put so much importance in John Connor. What, I, what Skynet is going to do is going to go after John Connor and it's going to try and turn him because that is a different tack. It's, it's changing. It's learning. It's trying to do something different. Mm. It doesn't I, work out for this film, but the theory is still, I think, interesting or the prospect is potential has potential. I do wish that they had not succumbed to letting Reese and Sarah Connor become a couple at the end, which is basically what happened. Because when when John uh, Connor dies and they beat Skynet, allegedly, maybe, there's a whole section where they kind of go, oh, we're not, you know, we're not bound by fate. And now kiss my face off. <laughs> kiss my face. <laughs> you, you have basically said you're not bound by fate and now you've doing exactly yeah. what you were meant to do caused by fate. Yeah. But, so, but the, the reason they think it's okay is because it's their choice now and they can yeah. they can not pretend they don't feel the feelings that but feel the feelings. There's the a good massive good phrase. irony of it when I was watching yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's just going but but yeah. so <laughs> I did, yeah. there's actually I think there's a few interesting things that have come out of the film that I really hope they build on but Oh yeah, someone had an idea of who sent back Pops. Yeah, Yeah, that was me. Um, My suspicion, either that it's going to be someone we haven't met yet, in which case kind of what's the point, because you'd hope they would have seeded that here enough that when they do reveal it in the next film or the film after, you can say, oh wow, that's really cool, I should have seen that. They didn't seed it well enough, but my suspicion is it's Skynet. And I might just want to see that because I like the idea that Skynet's learning and it's not just trying to wipe out humanity anymore it's maybe trying to do something different so skynet because it took over john connor um had access to the time machine so it could have sent back a t-800 with the learning chip mm-hmm. enabled and with a mission to protect sarah connor and the basis or- that that means john connor that ensures john connor exists and then it can send john connor back to make skynet and it can start to control where humanity goes, because presumably the idea is Genesis takes off, it then has control of the world. Does it need to kill people anymore if it's got control of the world's systems? Who knows? Its goals can change, and it now has John Connor, who it knows through various different timelines potentially, if it can see across them, who knows, um, is a very important figure. And And it has control of John Connor, so therefore it controls the humans and the machines. Well, and there's every chance that they could... Pop's character is ripe for being manipulated in lots of different ways if they wanted to do it. Because mm. right now he's a good guy, but they could they could do lots of things with that character if they wanted to going forward, which could be interesting. I said that, well, and also doesn't have to be Arnie anymore because it's a yeah, exactly. thousand, so it can change. So, yeah, it opens up scope meaning for it to be other things as well. and point, I like the yeah. Sarah Connor stuff and I liked that sort of idea there's enough stuff here that made me kind of hopeful that better script writers could do something here 
just would, a shame they didn't fall to better scriptwriters. I would <laughs> like to be there to be a possibility of a future where Skynet tries to take over the world, but it's not about nuclear war. Definitely, yeah. One where mm-hmm. it's actually, let's move beyond this kind of Cold War yeah. mentality. We've done it. It's been done perfectly, brilliantly. Let's yeah. move on from where all the little children are killed and all of the fucking people are. At the beginning, they said, Jai Courtney mumbled, we were caught and killed or taken and put in prison camps to be experimented on no 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 he said executed or, or oh, right, terminated right. basically they round them like up and put them in right. camps yeah, and no, then killed them the only reason the nazis put everyone into prison camps and then killed them is because they were trying to keep that side of what they were doing a little bit on the down low it's the mm-hmm. most terrible atrocity in the history of mankind and alluding to it in your dumb film is a really bad idea. There was a damn good reason why they were keeping people, and yeah. that's it's, it goes beyond just killing them. If they were and, just going to kill them, they'd kill them right there on the battlefield. Yeah, has no need to. It's literally a waste of resources. Taking them yeah, back yeah. there. It's ridiculous writing, and yeah. I want to. It's actually only there was. A, it's not a stupid film, really. It's actually quite twisty. Um, but there are dumb bits in it. Yeah. It's just, it's not boneheaded like Terminator 3 where they're not thinking at all. I, I think the, the prospect of what they're trying to do with resetting the timeline is is interesting as well because they're mm. not saying that T1 and T2 didn't happen. They're saying, if if as you quite rightly said, Alice, if you follow the fact that it's different timelines, they're saying mm. that that still happened in that timeline. This is yeah. now a new future where... The actual the threat instead of the Terminator following you and never stopping the threat is what does Skynet actually want now? Yeah, mm-hmm. and that actually would have been a really good ending if it was like rather than aha Skynet's still around yeah. uh, for Sarah to ask Skynet what do you want if you're not mm-hmm. just going to kill us with missiles and then Skynet going in James Spader's voice. I'll let you know, and then just disappearing. Yeah. And it's like, oh, fuck, where's it gone? And that's what should have happened at that conversation halfway through the film with the three of them there, mm. with the four of them, technically, the four main characters, John, Sarah, Kyle, and, and T-800. Yeah. Um, that's what should have been that conversation is, we should be trying, we should be scared of what John Connor or John Skynet actually wants. Mm-hmm. John's we should John's conceding that. calling him that from now on. We should be absolutely terrified of what John Skynet actually wants to do because a Skynet that isn't going to wipe out humanity is terrifying. Yeah. At least when it's wiping out humanity, you know exactly what you need to do to stop it. Yeah. It's hide, procreate, and try and kill it. <laughs> That's what you need to do. Can do. <laughs> I mean, it's been so long since T three. Like by the time. Like, T3 was uh, 2003, wasn't it? That's 12 years ago. Yeah. By the time it, they do, say, the sixth Terminator film, if they take that long again, we're going to be at 2029. <laughs> no, they're not taking that long this time. No, I think no, one thing that to. T1 and T2... Not a lot of shopping days left on Christmas with Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I think, this, I mean, this is meant to be a trilogy. Oh. This, this has been designed for multiple... Yeah. Can I just and- state for the record, I'm not the least bit excited about seeing any more Terminator films if they're going to be carried carried on by this team. But that's the thing, isn't it? T1 and T2, neither of them led onto a sequel by yeah. by their creation. They they very cleverly worked out how they could make Terminator 2 fit into Terminator 1, and they almost pull it off with the exception of John's age, which doesn't work. But they managed to do enough to fudge that, so you think, wow. 
they had no idea they were making this film in 84, making T2 when they made the first one, but it fits, it works, yeah, yeah. and it, it's great, and it never required a sequel. And what this film does for multiple, in multiple ways and multiple reasons, or not reasons, multiple uh, examples, it, it, it is setting up a sequel. It casts Matt Smith, who is someone that anyone who's a fan of sci-fi will know, Mm-hmm. In a role, it, the camera lingers on him really obviously at the beginning, so you know not only is he going to be doing something in this film, but why <laughs> he's is Jim he Skynet? <laughs> he's Matt Skynet, yeah, Matt Skynet, uh, Doctor Skynet, Doctor Skynet, Doctor Skynet. <laughs> um, and that, that's another thing I don't like about uh, Salvation in this personifying Skynet. I'm not sure is a good idea if you've not got something really smart to do with it. Yeah, um, Helena Bonham Carter in Salvation. That's literally just for the audience. There is no reason for Skynet to need to talk to mm. its Terminator. It's, it's much better off. if it's just an entity. The, the, exactly. Some of the best, kind, some of the best things you'll ever get scared of are things that you never ever hear from. Wouldn't it be much more scary if it was just like Mother in Alien? If it was just like a screen, like a really old computer with like a, a sort of just a, a, a written readout of extremely basic terms. Yeah. But that, I mean, that's the thing about, um, about even T2. The implication is that Skynet is software. It literally it does not need to present itself to you because it's everywhere. It does not need to communicate with you unless it now has a different goal than just exterminating humanity. Although I kind of like the idea that Skynet can only talk via Twitter and therefore could only talk to 140 characters at a time. I think that'd be quite interesting. <laughs> oh, God, if Skynet is Twitter, that explains so much. <laughs> I think I've found out now. It's the combined yeah. scorn of billions of people. <laughs> but, yeah, this is all set up for more films yeah. to come. Yeah. And they need to do better. But oh, it's God, made yes. me also kind of intrigued by what is going to come, which I would not have expected from the film. There's enough of a genesis here that I'm, pardon the pun, um, that I, <laughs> they still manage to slip in. There's a storm coming somehow, though. Yeah, I would. <sighs> I would like to know how the parts of this came together, um, but I, I just don't know. It depends really who's going to be directing it. Who's going to be directing it? Uh, well, as Alex says, after the performance of it, presumably not Alan Taylor. I, I imagine there'll still be plenty of faith in Terminator as a brand if they can do it right, but they yeah. need to think long and hard about getting someone in charge of it who wants to be in charge of it, has well, an interesting well, idea of what to do with it, and get some writers in there that can support that person. American gross was bad. Uh, worldwide gross outside of America has been not too bad, actually. Um, more that than double the so American often, one. Uh, uh, Tim Burton's Alice film was was one of those that actually it's international but did way way better because internationally people weren't as sick of Tim Burton and Johnny Depp as as people were in America. <laughs> it's, it's it literally is that in places like France etc. Actually, people were still interested in that cinematic pairing, whereas everyone else seemed to be. Apparently, Russians and Koreans love their Terminator. I do, uh, but yeah. There was a quite a, a good. Um, I read a, a Forbes article on why it's um, doing really badly at the moment. There was it was a six point reasons as to why the first weekend did really didn't do too well. Uh, number one, the trailers told the audience too much regarding both plot and how generic the film would look. I honestly, if I didn't know anything about this film, anything at all going in, I would have been more surprised. 
obviously more surprised because you can't be less surprised than something you already know about. So going, certainly oh. everything up to the point at which John yeah. Skynet is revealed it is all <laughs> in the trailer. The, this, I mean, it's the marketing there. campaign should have been handled by J.J. Abrams, even if he had nothing else to do with the rest of the film. <laughs> you know? Um, the Number two, the reviews have been appalling, which, you know, considering what we've just said, I mean, we were fucking, we went easy on this one. Number three, it opened at the time Jurassic World and Inside Out are experiencing spectacular family success. Now, those uh, films were expected to be big, but they were not expected to be huge. Plus and Minions, I guess, as well, is out at the moment. And, yeah, and true. Dropped Jurassic Classic world off the top in the UK uh, in its second week. Mm. Um, and that folds in with number four, which is as another PG-13 installment in an originally R-rated franchise, it appears too violent for kids, but too tame for violence hounds. So mums aren't going to take their kids to see Terminator Genesis because they're like, no, I remember that. He punches his fist through some guy. Yeah. And they wouldn't be wrong. He does punch a fist through some guy. That's his signature move. <laughs> Only that some guy is John Skynet. Uh, number five, Arnie hasn't been a beloved action star in a great movie since True Lies in 1994, 21 years ago, before a sizable portion of the movie audiences were born. And at number six, America didn't want another installment in a franchise that enjoyed two great successes over a period of seven years, two and a half decades ago, and has since failed to garner new audiences with its superfluous sequels. So that there has never been actually a compelling reason for another Terminator film post T2. So, I mean, I, 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 I don't care what they do next. I stand by my original statement, don't go and see this film. Don't feed it. It's, it, needs to, it needs to go away for a long time, frankly. I think it needs, when it comes back, it needs to be uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger, most definitely not anything to do with it. Much as I, I, I like the guy, it needs to not ha- be hanging on him. And um, there's time, of course, for like all kinds of things to have happened in the meantime and for them to reevaluate the timeline and make it about something. And, and, uh, and um, yeah. yes, Sarah Connor Chronicles proves perfectly without Arnold Schwarzenegger, without trying to ape and carry on from the first two films, just yeah. by taking the essence of what a Terminator uh, narrative can be and doing something interesting with it, with people yeah. that you trust at the helm, not necessarily big names or anything, just people who know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You can do something really, really interesting. It's just such a shame that that, that show didn't get to carry on for longer. And, and it, another one, um, there were quite a few at that time, uh, the interesting TV shows that got one or maybe a, two seasons. And just as they were getting interesting, just as you really started to see this is where they, they wanted to go, um, went away. Um, Dollhouse, another one. Uh, True Calling actually got interesting towards the end before it was cancelled. All sort of around that that sort of same time as Sarah Connor Chronicles. Another suggestion I'd make is uh, um, lower the budget. It doesn't need to be this high budget. Lower yeah. the uh, action sequences. Keep it to, to two or three really good ones. And make them short as well. Do you know what we don't get much of anymore? Short action sequences. Why do they have to go on for 12 minutes? You can't you know? show off fancy camera work and CGI if they're... Uh, if it's not even camera work, work if, if, it, if most of it's CGI. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If if it actually really was a crashing bus that went off the fucking Golden Gate Bridge, then then great. But it wasn't. So <laughs> anyway, um. So but ultimately, I think um. I, a while ago, I wanted to see a really good low budget remake of the Terminator. Um. 
just go through the same thing, make some changes. And then Looper came out. I went, oh, this pretty much does all of that with enough changes to be, uh, you know, it's, 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 it still doesn't understand time travel, but um, it's, it's a serviceable enough film. But, but again, what we said before is either really understand time travel or put it in sparingly enough and not yeah. necessarily don't yeah. use it, but, but put it in in such a way that the audience's eye is not drawn to the flaws. It's drawn to the narrative you're creating. And yeah, you come out afterwards and think, that doesn't really work in Looper, but in the moment, you enjoyed it enough that yeah. that's your lasting memory. It <laughs> will always trump logic. What yeah. are the rules on that Marvel, um, uh, you know, his, yeah, that that was time travel coda was, uh, if it's still confusing after you've explained it, you probably shouldn't be doing a time travel story. Yeah. Yes. So, so yeah, the, the first tip was, um, read through this entire document. If, if you don't understand that, go and speak to one of the senior editors and if you still don't understand it, why are you doing a time travel story? Pack up <laughs> your bags it. and go and write children's stories or something. Or well, just know that's that there's plenty of other sci-fi but... tropes without getting yourself caught in the knot of yeah, time exactly. travel. Yeah, exactly. Go and pick something simpler. If if yeah. your story do- if you can't make a story fit time travel, go and write something that doesn't involve you know lateral thinking and having to double and triple check your evidence. Write something that's more linear, more uh, coherent as as a as a whole. Yeah. On the subject of paradoxes, by the way, I, I mentioned this on the forum and it actually does hold weight. Um, paradoxes. As, as I said earlier in this show, they've never really been a threat in the Terminator series. This is what Skynet's been trying to achieve since minute one of the series back in 1984, to destroy their own destructor at a point before he could give them good cause to do so. They're trying to create a paradox. But if you think about it, this is a futile gesture. Even if they succeed, the original timeline still carries on along its own thread. The alternate universes that skew off and push Judgment Day back to later dates are a result of the multiple time displacement events and are entirely independent of the original. Okay, so with the river theory of Back to the Future where there's just one timeline and adjustments in the past will change it, there would definitely be a possibility of both succeeding in their aims and Skynet causing a major paradox that will destroy the entire universe. Granted, that's a worst-case scenario. It may be only a localized event that will destroy only our own galaxy. With the original looping premise of Terminator 1, which is what Cameron was aiming at, the time travel was always part of this one river, uh, though Kyle's one possible future line suggests it's only theoretical at their end anyway. So basically with the looping way of doing things, Skynet couldn't succeed because it's a loop, but Skynet didn't know about that. If it's going to branch off, Skynet still couldn't succeed. Not along their timeline. They could only succeed in other timelines. So it's futile. And with T2... So especially from Terminator 3 onwards, where uh, Judgment Day keeps getting put back and back and back, it's clear that the first Skynet was doomed from the start. And that is whether other alternate versions succeed or not. That first Skynet can never succeed. Which is kind of heartening, because it means that in one reality at least, we beat them. Conclusively. But then... The more you think about Terminator, the less it becomes about us and them, and the more it comes about, I suppose, where do we go from here? Okay, yeah. um, I think that'll do. 
So uh, we're going to finish on a big one next week, which will be uh, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. And we really do suggest that you listen to that because that's that's the Terminator done right because it deals with the concepts far, far more. It's got its own action, but it, what, it really comes off well in terms of drama as well. Yeah, because in a TV show, you can't have the big action scenes because you don't have the budget. So you've got to be interesting in other ways. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think have characters. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. The, the interesting thing about um, about that is, oh, lost the train of thought a bit, but well, it is one in the morning. That's what we do for you, folks. <laughs> because it's episodic, it means you need to have stories that are confined to the episode, and that means you're constrained. What we were talking about, Alex, is you need constraints on your story. If you don't have constraints, mm. you get wrapped up in knots. When you've got constraints, when your time travel is kept small and packaged up nicely with a bow on top, it begins here, ends here, that's it, you're done, get out. Mm. It works, and that's what Sarah Connor Chronicles does because it's episodic and because it's got individual episode uh, narratives running. Yeah. Um, as for whether I should see it or not, um, wait till it's on Netflix, honestly. I mean, they've got the Transformers films on and off. This will be on Netflix. Do not pay money for it. Watch as much of it as you feel interested in and then just turn it off. You know what happens. Watch the trailer. Watch the trailer. I mean, in all seriousness, our podcast is better than the trailer, and I, I, it's better than the film, probably. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, this, uh, this was an impromptu one, and thank you guys so much for turning up so late, and so late in the day, and such uh, short notice, and uh, uh, you know, uh, giving it an even-handed uh, uh, treatment, because I didn't just want to be, it didn't just want to be me raging about it on one, one end, at Sharon. <laughs> No, that's, that's quite all right. It's uh, great that I was able to be on, uh, just because with Salvation and with this, I can see some good points in it, and I can see what maybe they were trying for. It's just they mm-hmm. didn't pull it yeah. off. That's such yeah. a shame. I think there's an ambition here to try and tell something different. Yeah. That's that's the one thing that came out of it. And I actually quite like the way that Sarah Connor's going in this one. I think she's a more interesting character than she has been for a little while in some respects. Mm. And it's kind of nice to see the protector get through it for the first time as well. That's never happened before. Mm. So, yeah, I suppose it's the most hopeful Terminator ever. (laughs) It just took a long while to get through it. Yeah. Before we go, would you guys like to plug your various shows? Start Uh, with Derek. Derek. Um, I am part of the Console Ninjas, where we podcast on a relatively frequent basis. And we just sit down, talk nonsense, occasionally mention games, and just try and have a laugh. And James? Uh, yeah, you will find me on Kane and Rinse, along with a, a multitude of other people, actually. There's uh, 10 of us at the moment. 10, 11? Um, and, yeah, it's it's uh, uh, Armada we've got over there, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> and each week we sit down and discuss a different video game or video game series uh, to sufficient depth as to warrant a sort of 90 minute to two hour conversation on the ins and outs of the game and what we thought of it and what various people in our community who furnish us with uh, their lovely opinions think about it as well and we try to kind of put the game to bed as it were I've always, uh, when people say why don't I do more video games I always direct them to Kane and Rince because it's, it's really hard to think of another show that does <laughs> games in that level of depth and interestingly uh, just Today, I think it was yeah this morning on Twitter, um, someone was uh, was asking. Uh, I saw a tweet that said, "Is anyone interested in doing a a movies 
podcast that's a bit like Kane and Rince, but for films, obviously. And I, my immediate thought was, isn't this podcast <laughs> pretty much that? So, Did you so, direct them there? Follow up on that thought. Uh, I, I tweet, yeah, I did. I, t- I tweeted back and said, yeah, digital graphics where you want to be, I'm sure. I, I didn't copy your, your uh, Twitter uh, account in, which is the, the silly thing that I should have done, so I will do so. I'm sure they'll but, find their way there if they got the name. Yeah. Thank you very much for that one, James. No. Okay. Um, our special sponsors this month were Nick Grugin, Joel Robinson, Russell Osborne, David Garcia Abril, Maureen Foley, Ben Hayes, Stefan Gardinia, Kieran Datchler, Lorraine Chisham, Livio de la Cruz, Scott Corzine, Erish Traverse, and Ian and Megan Hopwood. And of course, to all our sponsors and supporters, massive thank yous. That'll do, folks, and uh, we'll see you next week for the Sarah Connor Chronicles. I've been Alex Shaw. I've been Sharon Shaw. And come with me me if you want to live. This film's kind of like an enema, isn't it? Yeah. It's horrible to go through. The aftermath is really rotten. But beyond that, you feel really clean and hopeful for the future. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, no, I don't. No, no, I completely disagree. I, I, I thought it was um, dreary, boring, and confusing. And um, the uh, and poorly acted by most. Um, but then the, uh, it, it reinforced why I, this, this series seems like it will never have a really good movie. And mm. then it said at the end, and there's more coming. And I thought, no, I don't want more. Stop. <laughs> Uh, it's the opposite of an enema. It's like having an enema and then having that sprayed back in your face. Ew. <laughs> See, I was going to go for a reverse enema where it feels really nice at the end and then by the time you get to the start, you go, oh, no. What's <laughs> a reverse enema? Well, that is that's a whole back in. <laughs> you go with a whole load of great big hope and you think, oh, this could be good, this could be good. And by the time you get to the end, you go, I feel a bit shitty. This is <laughs> disgusting. This is the most repulsive metaphor we've ever come up with. Okay, um, thank you guys very much. I've got to go and flop down and die because I'm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Sharon, you still awake? Just about, Just but about. I need to flop down and die too. Okay. Thank you guys very, very much. It was good, it was good fun. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> bye bye. Thank you guys. I feel like I saw it myself. Well, one day when it gets onto so Netflix, you'll you'll watch it and you'll remember this podcast fondly yeah. because it's the time you got to hear about it and you didn't have to actually watch Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I'll be like Kyle. I'll have a train of memories where I did see it and a train of memories where I didn't see it and I won't be able to work out which one was real. Nice. And you'll be <laughs> bored by both of them. <laughs> that sounds so much better than what I saw. <laughs> okay. Uh, thanks very much, guys. Take care, folks. Bye. 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 Night, guys. Thanks very much. Bye.